Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, episode 16, not sponsored by T, no. unfortunately. No, not yet. Imagine how much we'd be fucking right. My name's Steve, sorry, my name's Stephen Hill, I'm the host. This hello. is my friend Renfrey, Denf- Renfrey Denman. Oh, hello. I'm a... <laughs> Ren- Renfrey Denman, I'm I call host you. number two. Host number two, yeah, yeah, like, let's take his name away. I am not a number, <laughs> I am a man. <laughs> um, yeah, we were just talking before we started recording about how it would be good to get a sponsor... If any of you budding companies out there, if Steve Jobs, the ghost of Steve Jobs is listening. Yeah, Steve Jobs can't. (laughs) All right, Bill Gates, he's alive, isn't he? Gates would be good. Yeah, Yeah. Bill Gates, if you're listening, mate, come on, chuck us £13 million per episode. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that's kind of what we need to keep this operation going, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, man, we need your money, for fuck's sake. You're a disgrace. (laughs) That is just a message to Bill Gates, not our listeners in general. Oh, takes, I think you're all great. Takes me back, that does. Um, and uh, uh, anyway, tea would be a good sponsor, right? Yeah, especially all the tea in China. That would be quite nice. Yeah, imagine that. Tea. Imagine all the fucking tea. All the fucking tea. I can profit on that, innit? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so if the representative of tea is listening... <laughs> Please, uh, please do sponsor us. Um, we are part of Musicism. They don't sponsor us, but they're just our buddies, aren't they? They're just Buds, our yeah. um, comrades. And um, they provide some of the best online tutorials for but the budding singer, songwriter, guitarist and producer. Go over to musicism.net and you can sign up for their courses for the minuscule sum of nine ninety nine a month and get 25% off when you put in the code RIOT in capital letters at the checkout. Bon, très bien. Nice. Um, how you been anyway, Renfrew? We normally do a little chat apart from the tea yeah. thing. Right, I'm pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Been busy, I mean, you're getting a lot of gigs. We'll talk Get about that in a bit. A lot of gigs, which we will get into at some point. <laughs> oh, we should, yeah, we should talk about what's on the show this week, really. Yes, we? let's do that first. So, on the show this week, death, famine, social unrest, the dissolution of the family unit, the collapse of the financial market, depression, anger, global warming, hatred, self mutilation, and a new album from Muse. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Mm. We're also reviewing albums from Tom York, Can't Swim, and The Ocean, and Renfrey sat down with the ever-excellent Emma Ruth Rundle for a chat, which you can hear later on. We like Emma Ruth She's Rundle, awesome. don't we? She's yeah. fucking great. She's on good form. That's good. Yeah, so that's coming up later. Um, go to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. You can help us out financially if you own all the tea, if you're mm-hmm. Bill Gates, or if you're just uh, sick of being a thieving scumbag, <laughs> getting this brilliant content for free. You're a fucking disgrace. Even if you just own one box of tea, you can give us money if you'd like. Yeah, I've got, I've, as you see, I've got new tea um, thing. It's full up at the moment. So I'll, I'm, I'm all right for the minute. Well, I have no tea. At all in my house. I'm more of a coffee guy anyway. You are. You've got a cup of... So you've got a cup of coffee in a, in a Faith No More mug, by the way. Hello. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. And I've got a cup of tea in yeah. a mug. In a mug. Mm. Oh, that's good tea, that. Oh, see, see how good you'd be at getting sponsored by tea? <laughs> oh, yeah. that tea's nice. <laughs> and people would go, sounds nice. <laughs> and then they... would have to slurp it every couple of minutes <laughs> just to like, prove we're drinking something. Uh, I don't. I, don't I, I really don't People know. don't like us eating or drinking on this podcast. We've had a couple of things about that. Yeah, well, I don't know what to do about that. Stop eating. Not eat during yeah. the podcast, mate. Seems like... I get home from work <laughs> at like half six and we record at seven and yeah. I'm not allowed to eat. 
apparently and it's not. like this is this is un- inevitably going to be about three hours long the thing is though is the stuff that we eat are tea cakes and uh those uh, what were they reese's pieces that's know. my dinner that's not a very good that's not a very well, it's uh, not, don't dinner. judge me about what like that's fucking it adding insult to injury that's rubbing vanilla vanilla vinegar in the in the wound <laughs> vinegar, vanilla. yeah I, if i were to eat tea cakes for my dinner I'll do that. <laughs> You're an adult and you can do what you like. That is not a, a mother. You that is a 38 year old single man thing to eat, right? Isn't it for dinner, <laughs> tea cakes, um, and that is that's me. Uh, anyway, uh, I think right. we need. We're going to do some. We normally do live reviews. We're going to save that because the news. We get, there's only one news story this week. Yes, really, and it is the weirdest story of this, or maybe just the weirdest story of any year. It's, it's just wonderful. It's. it's just so mad. A week ago, I didn't think we would be spending our entire news um, roundup on a band I'd never even heard. Well, not not just I had no. never even heard of. No, no one, one had, had, had ever, had ever heard, heard of. of this band. And now they are the only band that anyone's really talking about <laughs> at the moment um, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, so they're called Threaten. Yeah, I, I think it's probably fair to say he's called Threaten. He's called, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Jared Threaten yeah. Uh, from Los Angeles. What do we think of that as a name? It's not a great name, no. is it? No. It's not a great name. No. Um, but that is probably the best thing that this guy has done. Yeah. Full stop. So, I honestly, Renfrey, uh, I don't know where to start with this. Okay. I don't know where to start because it is the sort of thing where, like I just said, I'm 38 and I think I just about sometimes vaguely understand the internet. And this to me feels like... Like some kind of Tommy Wiseau online Jam. alternative rock hoax. Catfish sort of uh, scam. Yeah. yeah. Please explain, because I've read through it so many times, and I still, I, oh, I know oh, that he's boy. not a proper band. Okay, so Jared Threaten is a <laughs> musician from Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, formed, I'm doing that in quotation marks, mm-hmm. a band, but the band appears to be primarily him. himself yeah which uh, is if you fine watch any of the videos that is fine yeah there's plenty yeah. of bands like that um he's released uh an album last year um which seemed to do absolutely nothing at all mm. until all of this has kicked off basically uh it emerged it was at the exchange in bristol where um i think a, a statement went up online saying that uh the promoter had sold a few hundred tickets for the show, but three people ended up turning up. Yeah. And all three of those people were people who the support band had brought along. Uh-huh. And then uh, some journalists did some digging. I'm going to give a shout out to this guy who's called Tim Williams. He's the founder of Sick Chirps. He's the, He seems to be the main guy who's done most of the digging. And no one really seems to be giving him the credit. So I thought we'd do it here. So mm. well done, Tim Williams. Yeah. If you indeed exist, because this whole thing is causing so many... Tim Williams is the singer in Vision of Disorder. I know that... I, I wonder I, if it's the I same... I don't think it is Tim Williams from Vision of Disorder. I did make that connection. But um, uh, but yes, if Tim Williams does indeed exist, because I'm starting to think now, maybe Tim Williams doesn't exist. And maybe it's a whole hoax of a hoax of a hoax oh, of a God. hoax. It is driving me insane. Um, but basically, um, it kind of emerges that Threaten or Jared Threaten booked this tour, faked a bunch of uh, Facebook accounts, as you can do with like bots and so on and so forth, uh-huh. uh, and uh, pretended that the tour was sold out so that he could come out, come over to the UK and play 
and uh, it wasn't sold out. He had barely sold any tickets whatsoever. No. So really, we need to break this down. Um, and and also, can I just say as well yeah. that, that he invent apparently he, he's invented a promoter called Casey Marshall and yes. a, a publishing company. Yes. He's invented a record label which he says has been going since 1964. I can't remember the name of the record label, but that he invented. But it has been going since 1964. Formed after whoever the person was who quote-unquote, formed it, saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. That's right. And they were supposedly called Superlative Music. Superlative Music. Oh, that is so David <laughs> Brent. That is so David Brent. Juxtaposition Records. So, um, And um, and they had acts on there like Fiona, not Fiona Apple, yeah, yeah. Cars, yeah. Not, the, not The Cars. <laughs> Um, what was it? There, there, was, there was an act on there. There was Braid on there. Yeah, but, Braid. But not Braid. But not yeah. the wow. band Braid. Um, yeah. Uh, awful, awful, awful made up names that yeah. uh, he made up. So basically, the, all of these, um, the, the, the the PR company, uh, supposedly called Magnified PR, the mm. management website, the booking agent, the label, <laughs> all have dreadful websites. Mm. Um he even went to the trouble of creating websites that had uh, that gave him reviews um, and putting fake interviews or, or maybe nicking interviews from other yeah pe- there was other like, sources yeah there was like stuff from it was a Red Hot Chili Peppers review yeah Metallica yeah, Hardwired yeah, yeah. something on there as well um, so there's this uh, website called Top Rock Press that announced that Threaten is leading the way for the next generation of rock music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can we just say, by the way, so the video for yeah, the song yeah, yeah. is <laughs> terrible. Oh, it sounds awful. like if the sound... like It sounds like someone's found the CD from Dawson's Creek like soundtrack <laughs> and that CD has farted. That's what... <laughs> That's what it sounds like. And the video is like the shittest. Like, like uh, you, you, remember, you see the epic. Now when you watch the epic video by Faith No More. Yeah, 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 and it yeah. looks shit. It yes. looks so yeah. fucking dated and terrible. Oh, epic looks like Avatar compared to this. And yeah, and it does. Yeah. It does. It's, it's fucking rubbish. I love the picture frame. He's got, so he's got a picture frame. Yeah, why he's putting it? his head through it and just sort of arranging it in a weird way. I mean, you know, he's clearly done the video himself because he mm. has no friends. Um, but all of these websites, all of the websites for the management company, the PR website, blah, 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 they're all, uh, they're all linked to the same GoDaddy account. They're all registered to the same GoDaddy account. So that's how people found out that that was all fake, which is totally ridiculous. You think you'd cover your tracks a little bit more if you were going to have such a massive scheme like this but no he's an absolute idiot um so he has um a bio on his website i've not seen this i cut combs through the bio and um there's a few i mean a lot of this is taken from this the the sick chirps uh article that i was mentioned before um so i'm 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 reappraising i'm re uh regurgitating a lot of tim williams work but um there's this bit in the bio where he says after recruiting uh members to fill the band's touring lineup he began performing across north america now there's no record of any of his tour dates that he mentions ever having happened bloody hell um and his 2015 us tour there was one date that he mentioned he was at woolies in des moines iowa but if you go onto the woolies website um, for the date that he said he was playing it, it was actually an artist called Frank Foster who was playing it. Could he not have been supporting Frank Foster? C- 
could have been, I suppose. I, I mean, suppose. he's too big to support but, Frank Foster. you know, he's a megalomaniac. You know, he's <laughs> got loads and loads of... Uh, he's got loads and loads of followers on Facebook and YouTube and all this shit, or he did. Um, he also said it was mastered in New York. This is referring to his album uh, at Sterling Sound by Grammy-nominated engineer Greg Ka- uh, Kybe, who's worked with John Lennon, David Bowie and Bruce Springsteen. What? Um... I checked Greg Kybe's website, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I apologise if I'm not. There's no mention of Threaten, and his website is very... has It has all the credits to everything that he's ever done, and Threaten right. is not mentioned at all. Um, so, and then, what else do you say? Oh, yes, uh, Breaking the World, which is... The <laughs> Breaking the Wind, more like. <laughs> it was released worldwide on August 25th, 2017. It was well-received by both fans and critics alike. The explosive success of this album led to Threaten winning the Top Rock Artist of the Year Award... At doesn't say what? <laughs> oh my god! It's very vague. It doesn't say. Um, it's pretty safe to say that no such award exists. I don't think uh, you can't say that, can no, you? No, no, not without getting found out. You fucking. I was about to say an unpc <laughs> word there, but oh, you fucking just. He's a moron. He is a so moron. So Renfrey, right? Uh, those are m- some of the facts. Most of the facts. I'm struggling. It's it's not even most. Well, (laughs) some of some of the fact. Um, Do do, do you want to continue? Um, There are. Well, there's. You've got a lot of fucking notes there. This is like Watergate. There's a lot of funny things to say. Yeah. Um, You're probably aware of the practice that you can buy like likes on Twitter and Facebook and all that sort of thing. Um, uh, it appears that this is what has been, Jared Threaten's been doing because most of his uh, fans appear to live in Brazil for some reason. Weird. Mm. Um, and um, well, you know the Ramones were playing football stadiums in Brazil when they were only playing small clubs in America. So <laughs> could happen. He's the new <laughs> of Ramones. Could happen. Um, and the uh, video for his song "Living Is Dying." This mm. is the video that we were talking about yeah. with the photo frame. The good video. <laughs> Um, has a very res- when I checked earlier today had a very respectable one million and fifty thousand six hundred and seventy one views on YouTube. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many of them have been since very Friday? Respectable. Uh, no, no, that that was today. I checked that today. We're talk- we're recording this on Tuesday, um, and I checked that today and has one million and fifty. And yeah, no, no, oh, but I'm oh, saying oh, see, like see, how see. many people watched it? Like I wouldn't have. Wa- I've watched it twice. Why quite, would I? Quite yeah. a few. Quite a few. I wager, but certainly not. All that many because one thing that can't be faked is Spotify plays. Uh-huh. So I went to Spotify earlier today, and you know how many plays Living Is Dying has? How many? Four thousand eight hundred ninety-seven. Oh no! <laughs> now there's quite a disparity between one million fifty thousand six hundred seventy-one and four thousand eight hundred ninety-seven. Look, threatened fans just don't like Spotify. <laughs> I can't understand. Like old school. I can't understand why you would be so cynical that you would think that. I thought. That's what everyone knows about threatened no, sure, fan base, sure, right? Sure. They're a million play fan base. Like, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. That's but what it is. That must be what it is. It's a pretty disgusting thing to do, though, faking, like, faking numbers and stuff like that. I mean, we would never be, <sighs> we would never be caught dead being part of an organisation that attempts to fake its numbers, would we? And, you know, if we did, then we'd both move on pretty quickly <laughs> from that organisation, maybe a couple of months apart. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, um, speak of threatening. Uh, <laughs> which is what we were definitely talking about. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, yeah, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing to do. I mean, I, I and I think our 100,000 listeners would, would agree. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> 
that that is true. Um, I just don't understand why. Um, well, there's a few theories um, to create exposure for a band that no one's ever heard of, which, let's yeah. face it, that's exactly what he's done. Yeah, it's not bad. If that were the case, um, it's still a fucking stupid idea because he will get one tour out of this. People will go out of curiosity. He probably could come back to the underworld and actually sell it out. Well, actually, he can't come back to the underworld because the underworld have released a statement saying, yeah. never yeah, try never. to book us again. Yeah. So, um, but, you know... Given the um, given what's happened with the story, he could absolutely, if he was so inclined to. I mean, he's deleted a lot of stuff now, so I think he's just trying to disappear. I don't really know. I mean, but it would be theory. like like a sort of freak show. You're going to watch yes. like a fucking. You're going to ah, there's that fucking internet nerd. Yes, and that lets know and laugh at him. Go on, where's your picture frame, mate? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we'd review it. I'd go. <laughs> we would. Yeah, I, I would probably go. Um, but yeah, it, it is a really, really odd thing. And it got me kind of going, I don't, again, I don't sound old, like I don't understand the internet or whatever, but mm. you kind of couldn't really do that back in the kind oh, of no, old. no, no, no. This is very much a modern thing, which, which yeah. is only achievable in this day and age. Mm. But the crazy thing with it is, let's pretend for a moment that it was on purpose and he did that. Um, he did this purely for exposure. Let's just go down that route for a, for a moment. The thing is, is he's spending all of his own money on this. So he's paying to book out the venues. He's paying to hire a band and bring them over. Although there was, a, uh, there was an interview with the drummer, which was just released a few hours before we recorded this, where the drummer um, informed, said uh, to louder.com, I think he said that his pay for the entire tour was $300. Which Fucking is pathetic. Hell. This is like a six-week... No, hold on, was it? It's about a month tour, I think. Fucking hell. Um, and not only that, he then, two days before they went to fly out, he found out that actually they weren't getting paid $300. He just set aside $300 for their food bill for the entire tour. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, is, which lasted two weeks or something like that. I think it was a six-week tour. It's fucking insane. Fucking oh, insane. terrible little man. Um, yes. Uh... There's a brilliant statement from um, uh, Patrice Lovelace of The Underworld, uh, which gives you an idea of what was going on. She says, we were contacted by Threatens agent Casey Palmer, probably not a real person, at Stage Right Bookings. Casey probably. Palmer? Casey Palmer, yeah. Casey, not Casey, I've got Casey Marshall, I thought it wasn't, you got Casey Palmer. I've got Palmer, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. You can't even be can't consistent even that with right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casey Palmer plays for Chelsea. Oh, really? Tim okay. Williams from Vision Disorder. So he's just like... Picking like oh, I'll pick a random hardcore band. <laughs> I'll pick a young up and coming Premier League footballer. Like what are you doing? Um, so yeah, she says we were contacted by Threatens agent Casey Palmer at Stage Right Bookings about the show, and he booked the venue out himself. He claimed to have sold two hundred and ninety one tickets on his end, which uh, seems strange to us as we had only sold three. Fucking. <laughs> only three people turned up to the gig and the support band brought them about three people watched Threatened Set his band were all session musicians and it was a completely awful experience for everyone involved <laughs> the bar only made £30 all night so it was a waste of time for the venue although at least the venue's higher out fee was covered 
We would never, capital letters, book an artist like this in-house. It was a hire out, and as we're not that cheap to hire, we assumed the promoter slash agent was serious. They spent £650 plus VAT, which is £780, mm -hmm. hiring Underworld for that waste of time. We've never experienced something like this before. We just took the hire money knowing the artist was horrendous, but assuming the agent was truthful about how many fans without taste in music he had. <laughs> Literally three people watched Threaten play. The night was a complete and utter disaster. Um, so, but the thing, you know, if, if he has done this as some means of, you know, self-promotion, um, I mean, again, this, this guy, Tim Williams did the, um, did the sums and was kind of like, well, you know, to fly yourself over from the UK, hire backline driver, tour manager, hire, hire out all the venues, pay your bandmates for food, hotels, blah, blah, blah. And he worked out, it must've been about 30,000 pounds to do this. So we're talking about not only... A stupid piece of scum, but a stupid rich piece of scum as well. Tommy Wiseau, um, he's like Tommy Wiseau, Tommy Wiseau from the room. Yeah, yeah, he is Tommy Wiseau. Fucking, um, I was going to Brixton Academy with people going, yeah. him and him going, oh, it's all a joke. Don't worry. <laughs> no, it fucking thing. wasn't a joke. You prick, you think you're good. He also created uh, fake YouTube profiles to um, put comments on his YouTube videos. Uh, I realise we talked about this for a long time, but bearing in mind that he wrote these himself. Oh, give me some. These, these. are worth reading out. Mm. Okay, so um, where shall we go? You always blow my mind. When can I blow yours? Oh, <laughs> no. That's from Rian Singh, apparently. My love for you will never die. That's Christy B, that rocker chick. You <laughs> plus this song equals perfect. That's Daisy oh. Valdez. Christy B comes back in saying, I would let Jared Threaten do literally anything to me. That voice is so sexy. What the fuck? What the fuck is he doing? He wrote that about himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, not only that, he's even um, gone a little bit racist by... Uh, he's taken on his characters really well. And there's a character called Eric Wrong. Uh, er sorry, Eric Wong. I apologise. <laughs> and he's written it in P Pigeon English. Um, and uh, Eric Wong simply says, Tour Japan, you my favourite America rocker. <laughs> Mickey Rooney in fucking <laughs> Breakfast and Tiffany's in it. Oh, Mr. Fretton. Oh. <laughs> um, the, there's also Jen Fannin, who uh, is a master at both long form comments and short form comments, it seems. Her long form is, I've been waiting so long for this to come into my life. Seriously, you are the most beautiful man on the planet. I must meet you again. I need to hug you. I need to kiss you. You are everything to me. He is a fucking psychopath, this Do you guy. Want to hear a short form? Go on in. I love your face! <laughs> <laughs> my same person. My God. I, 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 you know, to be honest, I could go on. But, like, we do have other things to talk about. But if you want to find out the whole story, as I say, I'll point you in the direction of... Um, Tim Williams uh, from Vision Disorder. Williams. <laughs> Tim Williams from Vision Disorder. Sir, sick Chirpsy, that's where all, all the details are. And it's fucking hilarious. I and don't understand. I... It's ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. I, I mean, I what, 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 you know, one thing we haven't talked about, actually. Um, what do you think of the music? Oh, it's dreadful. <laughs> it's absolutely fucking dreadful. It's, um... I think the sound... Do you know what? I was... Sorry to cut you no, off. No, no, no. I, I was going to say, it's dreadful. Like, I was... <laughs> the guy that's opposite of work 
said to me today, should we put the Lemonheads on? And I was like, no, because they're Ross from Friends' eighth favourite band. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's all I think about when I think of the Lemonheads. And, like, and I was listening to the Lemonheads and I was like, having listened to Threaten, the, the Lemonheads sound all right. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right to me. And so I do, yeah. don't like the idea of being all right with the Lemonheads yeah. at all. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's terrible it's just, it's just enormously saccharine yeah. shitty meaningless it's very cock rock the idea that an artist like this art, I don't know why I said the word artist sorry um, person <laughs> like this could um, receive anything near the level of fame that he claims to have uh, got it's just in this day and age just fucking ridiculous um, but in order to do to, to get that level of fame, you have to do something like this and get a level of infamy instead. And um, sad that, isn't it? It's sad. Shame. That's a shame. I don't oh, think well. that's true of everyone. But anyway, there you go. Literally, um, the weirdest story in the history of stories. Um, Hopefully, the first and last time we'll talk about threatening. Well, well, fucking hell, mate. When they're doing the O2, and everyone's just like, ah, get my photo taken with him. Ah, selfie with Jared Threaten. And he's like, yeah, it was a joke. Oh. If he ends up being like, our oh, Tommy Wiseau. You could well be. No, I'm not happy with that. Not anyway, either. you've been to four gigs, Renfrey. I have. Can we very quickly, before we do that, um, we had a poll last week. Don't oh, yeah, we did, yeah. How did that work out? Because um, I think you can suck Smarties or crunch them. I'm not a fucking Nazi like you who said oh. the idea of sucking a Smartie is, is bad. I, I liked both... Um, Luke Morton and Eleanor Goodman of Metal Hammer, mm-hmm. um, they got involved. So, oh, did they? Yeah, they both I just basically commented and went, Luke went, I crunched them, and Eleanor went, it's fine, whatever you want to do. So you're I mean, Luke and I'm Eleanor. If I'm a Nazi, then everyone's a Nazi because uh, 63% say crunched. Right. 9%, 9% say sucked. Yeah, but that's, uh, I wouldn't say that either. Well, 28% say either of the above. So you're in the 28%. Yeah, I'm in the 28%. You're still quite low. But I think that's crunched. really... I think you're really horrible people. <laughs> <laughs> I do! How fucking dare you tell people how to enjoy their their um, their confectionery? <laughs> Who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> Disgraceful, judgmental okay. pricks. All right. That's what you are. Yeah, yeah we're losing listeners. Uh, <laughs> Only 63%. That's still... <laughs> Only 63%. We've still got 37,000 listeners, haven't we? Um, <laughs> Shall we go on with some live reviews? Yeah, so you saw four shows, remember? I did, fuck all. I did. Um, did. Jonah Matranga playing Water and Solutions in full. Yeah. I went down to uh, Tunbridge Wells. See Jonah, um, an oxygen thief. I should play an oxygen thief because they did Excuse double me. duties. That's okay. Um, they did double duties because they supported and they were also uh, Jonah's backing band for this, which was really good. Oxygen thief, if you're unaware of them, they started out as like a solo kind of acoustic man on guitar, Barry, playing um, metal on an acoustic. And what started out as like... You smirking away there, Well, that's the way you went, metal? metal. Like, who plays metal? I'm well, like, on, on acoustic. By yourself on an acoustic uh, guitar. Rodrigo and Gabriela? There's two of them, and... They play metal? Yeah, all right, fine. It started... Yeah. What, what, what I'm trying to say Sorry. is what started out as a kind of curio, who's actually turned into something really fucking good now, because he's got a full band. Yeah. There's lots of, like, melodic um, British rock. It's very and mm. you know if I'm saying something's Ruben-esque bear in mind I fucking love Ruben then that is a hell of a compliment yeah uh, they just released a new album on Extra Mile and I say go check it out because I thought they were really fucking great great um, but Jonah 
Um, it's just wonderful. Just one of the most... You've seen Jonah a few times, right? Yeah, yeah. Over the years, many times. Just yeah, in various guises. One of the most impassioned... Uh, emotive? He looks like he's going to cry all the time. Yeah, and we mean that in a nice way. I do mean it in a nice way. He is so connected to his music. Did, yeah. did he play... Because he's playing Water and Solutions, mm-hmm. one of the all-time great albums made yeah, by any band ever. Record. And... When I saw him at 2003, he, did, he didn't do it in chronological order. That's right. He didn't do it in chronological order. He started out by himself. Reading. Reading bits from his new book, which was actually really interesting because you're, you're suddenly getting insights into the songs just before he's playing them. So I, I really want to read that book. It's really good. I've got it. Have you? Yeah, oh, yeah, mate, yeah. can I borrow it? Mm, yes. Oh, I'd... <laughs> I'm just trying to my mind mm, wasn't what I'm thinking about it my mm was are you looking around and going there's some rotting sweet potatoes on the side there I'm not having this my um was where the fuck is it but yes you you can when I find it Um, but um, yeah it's a a really interesting book but he just gave great insights into like I I had no idea that um, Mother Mary uh, the rest of the band, Far, the other three members of Far, were like yeah. very not keen to release that song. And now Mother Mary is probably one of the bigger songs on that record. I mean, we are talking about a cult album. Definitely. Even now, unfortunately, uh-huh. which is really sad because if you've never heard War and Solutions, fucking fire up Spotify right now or whatever you listen to stuff on mm. and check it out because it's such a great Oh my record. God, it's, it's amazing. Um, but... Um, yeah, and I've actually been listening to it pretty solidly since the gig. So mm. I think that gives you a good indication. Started solo, started with some of the um, uh, quieter songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like on a Sunday and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, no, that's Jimmy World. The Sunday song. It's the last song on the record. Uh, <laughs> into Again and stuff like yeah. that, you know. And then it just got sort of progressively heavier. heavier Did the band came out on Man Overboard, I remember. Is that right? came out in the middle of a song I can't remember off the top I'm of my head pretty sure it was Man Overboard, Overboard yeah. you may well be right yeah um, yes I think you are yeah I think I believe that because that starts with just the little guitar yes. and then the rest of the band I loved that yeah. when they did that oh yeah so good you're singing to that again me for singing last week didn't you yeah fair enough um, it's, it's it was just great it was just a brilliant 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 evening um, and, and it has made me completely obsessed with that record all over again yeah so. no, I, I can't go long without listening to that record yeah it's and so brilliant I think I can say this we'll be having a little uh, chatty poos to old Jonah Matranga I know well. I wish I've got to be honest I wish I was doing that Renfrey I'm glad you're getting to do it because I think you'll ask him I, I trust you to ask him the correct questions and correct have a, questions yeah, yeah right okay what yeah. do I need to ask <laughs> well not like do you like threaten that's not what you want to <laughs> um, but yeah uh, but yeah, I would like. I was. I've never really chatted to Jonah before, and I would. It's like going to be a that. really lovely opportunity to sit down and talk in depth about a record that I fucking love and think needs a lot more love and respect yeah, and yeah. time and Definitely. You know, blah blah blah. So, so um, she's coming up on the show a little bit later. Then you went to see Emma Ruth Rundle as well. Yeah. Again, I missed that as well. Ah, uh, so. mate, Emma Ruth Rundle is just. So she's got um, a band behind her now and has had for a, a year or so. But this is the band who actually. Um, she works with on the record as well as well uh-huh. as actually JJ on and uh, yeah it's pretty good like um, pedigree in that band yeah JJ in and of themselves I mean they supported and there's a, there's a very kind of atmospheric um, Nick Cave meets Tom Waits esque vibe to them mm-hmm. um, 
but they are really adept at being able to recreate all the atmospheric awesome stuff that she does and they also I mean we talk about this a little bit in the interview but they they free her up to do a few more bits and pieces rather because when I started seeing Emma a few years ago she was doing everything on her own and Uh that was really cool and intimate and an amazing experience but it doesn't compare to having the full band um, doing those songs because there's a lot going on Mm. with that music um it was just wonderful i was just there with, with a pint that's when i seem to enjoy gigs the most apparently um just basically swaying and crying um <laughs> which is also when i enjoy Sounds like gigs you the most. did enjoy it massively. and sex um what so, <laughs> so, <laughs> um no it was wonderful it was just she played loads of songs from her new record on dark horses about six songs from there then mm. it was um, some br- like there's a song like Protection, which is her second the second song on Marks for Death. Yeah. just sounds so heavy live, and there's yeah. so much me- so much um, going on with it, and with the full band behind it, it just sounds amazing. She also came out at the end and um, uh, played a solo version of Shadows of Shadows of Her Name, Shadows of My Name, which is just wonderful. If you've not seen Emma Ruth Rundle live, please go and see her because she should she should be so much. She played Oslo in Hackney, which mm. I think sold out, which is about five hundred. But yeah, yeah. she should be doing like big proper venues. Five hundred is it that many? Surely not. Oslo it's not Hackney. big. Not a very big place. I think I saw yeah. a Black Queen there. I think you're looking at more like two and a half, three hundred. Maybe uh, my five hundred was my guesstimate, yeah. but I was almost crying and swearing, mate. I wasn't really paying attention. So, mm. um, but yes, uh, I talked to Emma later on the show, and, and she's just wonderful if you've not checked it out please do because she's like she's one of the big artists who we fucking love yeah uh, i mean i would happily hear those last two records back to back played live i I really yeah i'm a bit annoyed i didn't go to that but anyway she played it was almost exclusively material from those two records there was Mm. just one song from her debut right okay rola tomasi another band who have released an absolute fucking world beating album a hundred percent yeah. And I saw, we both saw them earlier in the year with Palm Reader, which is mm. one of the best gigs of the year. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. Fucking brilliant. brilliant. Um, then with Blood Command. Can we, you see Blood Command? I did. I did. Now, talk to me about Blood Command, because I have been for many, for about five or six years now, I have been one of the the biggest, um, loudest uh, kind of pro-Blood Command people cool. around. I love Blood Command. I think all of their albums are fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. But particularly the last two, but I, I, I like, I, yeah, they're yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, particularly Funeral Beach, which I think is yeah. just so, so, so great. Yeah. But I have never seen Blood Command be really good live. Well, this is the thing. I've heard a lot of people um, say this. I've heard a lot of people go, oh, amazing band, but they've never really been great live. And this is the first time I've ever seen them live. I've, for some reason, I've always managed to miss them. So I was... Um, excited but cautious let's say uh-huh. um, and all the stuff I'd heard about them not being good live bands didn't see any of it at really? Scala. I thought that's they were good. really good yeah. that's great to know um, the Funeral Beach material was the standout for me although the stuff they did from Cult Drugs was also great mm. I think there's a bit of a, a potential it wasn't really an issue with a support slot but I wonder if I was watching them for an hour Whilst they do have quite a unique, almost kind of like, I don't know, disco meets hardcore. I mean, that only begins to scratch the surface, really, yeah. what Blood Command do. But it is quite a unique sound. They call it death pop, don't they? Death pop, yeah. And death pop... It's like, to me, it's like Gallows and Blondie and Abba and Cavell Attack and Run DMC. That is 
really that's a really good description well, like the beastie boys even like there's but i think people who haven't heard them will be going what the fuck are you talking about so so yeah. yes and that, and that's the thing they are a band you just need to hear them to understand what the mm. fuck we're talking about because death pop is actually a good description that's of what really they do good. yeah really good. but you, you know if you've not heard them you won't have a clue what the fuck i'm talking about mm. um but i thought i thought they were fantastic i saw no i, I mean a little bit synchronized let's say there were a lot of synchronized kicks and stuff like that and I was like is that really necessary but I really oh he hates fun doesn't he <laughs> why do you hate fun Renfrey why do you hate fun <laughs> um, and they were all wearing Adidas stuff <laughs> good uh, yeah, it was fine yeah it, it was no it was re- no it wasn't fine it was really good it was no, really, really good. good a really good appetizer for Rolly Tomasi who I I'm gonna just assume were fucking amazing um I've been I've been uh, keeping note of my gigs quite recently. There's a website that I discovered a few months ago called Constant Ar- Concert Archives or something like that, and it just it's just become this massive project where I've been going through all my diaries and putting my all the gigs I've ever been to in, into it. And I discovered that I've seen Rolo Tomasi 16 times over yep. the years. I've been a big fan of theirs for most of this decade, mm-hmm. and I fucking love them. Mm-hmm. And I think the Scala was the best time I've ever seen them. Um, I that garage show was pretty phenomenal. I was gonna say that garage show was just f- like off I the scale, brilliant. Just can't even begin to talk about how great it was. I saw them at the Black Heart a couple of years ago, the week mm. they released Grievances, which is mm-hmm. uh still my favorite Tomasi record. I saw them on the Sunday at uh Heavy Fest in 2015, mm-hmm. not Heavy Fest, Tech Fest, sorry, mm. and they were just like unbelievable then as yeah. well, yeah. yeah. I've so never, they're good live. I've never seen them be bad, to be honest. But in terms of scales of goodness, I do think this is the absolute pinnacle. Scales um, of goodness? You happy scales with of goodness. Happy? I'm, I'm well happy with it. I'm going to start a band <laughs> called Scales of Goodness. Um, and uh, it, uh, they, 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 I mean, they knew it was a special show. It's the largest London headline show they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Prob- I'm guessing, by all accounts, the largest headline show they've ever done as well. Apologies, guys, if that's not the case, but I think it probably is. Um, Must be up there, definitely. Yeah, yeah, surely. Yeah. And they were just faultless, really. They did a song from every single record, uh, which I thought was really nice, because recently when I've been seeing them live, they've been doing a lot from the new album, and as they should do, because they should be immensely proud of that record, and it's phenomenal. Oh, it's- um, but uh, yeah. it was nice to hear a few older tunes as well, stuff like mm. Party Wounds and um, uh, the second track on Australia, which I fucking love, I can't remember the name of, um, and some more Grievances material and stuff like Estranged and uh, Opulescent, which is one of my favourite songs they've ever done, basically starts out as a jazz number and ends with ridiculous black metal bass, bass beats. It's probably one of the best songs of this decade. I fucking love it. Um, they also, I think they finished with The Flood of Light, which is one of the epics on mm. the album, on the new album, and has this wonderful, wonderful moment where, you know, very euphoric moment. And uh, during said euphoric moment, uh, they had a balloon net and the balloons all came down, black balloons, and it was just the most amazing sight. All these balloons just bouncing around during this really euphoric. I mean, if you don't know the song, A Flood of Light, um, I'll put it on the Spotify playlist this week, but like, check it out that, that you will know the moment I'm talking about because it's just so it, it just makes you it, it's so it's it I'm, words are failing me right it's so beautiful and uh these balloons just 
dropped everywhere and it was it was an absolutely phenomenal phenomenal show um i did have a little chat with james afterwards and it was quite funny because i was sort of had a couple of beers and it was just becoming a thing for me apparently he's got a problem that's <laughs> <laughs> the crap if you see rem yeah, if you see remfrey having a beer <laughs> take it off him yeah <laughs> I'll get very angry. If you <laughs> uh, <laughs> Imagine you, someone trying to, hey man, I really like the podcast and I will have that as well. You shouldn't be doing that to yourself. Um, yeah. Um, and no, I was, do, uh, do take it off him. <laughs> I was, um, I was saying to James, man, like to James, I was like, it, it's so wicked to see you at the Scala now, but I feel like you should have done this. You know, I feel like you should be a fucking Shepherd's Bush Empire by now or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, and whilst I feel that, he was like, you know what? I feel like we were only ready to do this show that we did tonight, today. Yeah. Um, but um, the fan in me thinks they should have been doing these shows for years and years and years. James knows better than I do, obviously, being mm -hmm. in the band. But um, I just, they're just a wonderful band. If you still haven't got on the Tomasi train, what the fuck are you doing? Sort I'm out. pretty new to it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I yeah, am yeah. pretty new to it. I mean, mm. that, you know, I... I have you gone back from Time Will Die by any chance? Uh, no, I haven't. Please do grievances. I will, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe, Please do grievances. Maybe, maybe give it to me. So, oh, for the trade-off. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Wasn't flirting. Um, any, well, there you it's go. Rolo to Tomasi. It is not. Um, <laughs> it's not, Renfri, because if I'm looking at you, then I'm not flirting. Oh, that's but, such... I, that's so... What well, if I'm going to try and have sex with you? <laughs> Wait, that, how can you be insulted by that? How can you be insulted by the idea that one of your I will straight have you friend... know that two people have wanted to have sex with me and they quite enjoyed themselves. Listen, so... were they were they men though? Were they straight men? I mean, in a certain light, they may have looked <laughs> mannish. Oh. All right, well, I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, who who knows? If anyone does this one, fucking hell! Stop this! Right, the future of rock. You saw that, didn't you? Or the car, <laughs> um, Greta Van Fleet. We reviewed the album of Greta Van Fleet um, a couple of weeks ago. I don't care. Um, you loved it. Well, um, no, you I did. Love I liked it. it very, very, very much. Okay. Um, I'm a massive. I will say that I the EP that they've re released before then I do think is better for definitely mm. and for that kind of thing for that retro classic rock thing which neither of us are massive fans of particularly the best thing that's been released in that field for a long time in my opinion yeah. I think the album is good mm -hmm. um, and I think it's occasionally very good but but um, so how did it match up live? Yeah, um, so this is a big fucking disappointment for me. Is it? Yeah. Oh, um, no. So obviously the accusations are, you know, they're just Led Zeppelin, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and obviously we can, uh, there's something to that. But then at the same time, you know, Led Zeppelin were a very special quartet of people made up of very unique, I think unique is the key word here, yeah. special musicians. Um, and Led Zeppelin were extravagant and uh, had a tendency to uh, extend their songs. That, that I've, I've got a few bootlegs where they've been 
you know, they do 30 minute versions of Whole Lot of Love or 25 minute versions of Dazed and Confused, blah, blah, blah. And, but, you know, because of the uniqueness and the brilliance of those musicians, they can kind of get away with it. And no one was really doing that sort of stuff before they did and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I think Jimmy Page, as an example, was one of those guitarists who you don't need to know anything about guitar. But if you hear Jimmy Page playing guitar, you go, that's Jimmy Page. It is. Like Slash mm. or Brian May, mm. for example. Grant Van Fleet. Jared Threaten. <laughs> I thought we would never mention him again. <laughs> oh, he's the butt of every joke. Now. <laughs> um, Greta Van Fleet played 11 songs in 90 minutes. What? Yeah. Why? Cause, because. You didn't know how? Um, there were, I believe, three guitar solos. Oh. One keyboard solo. Oh my god! And a drum solo. Oh, <laughs> Renfrey. When I die and go to hell, <laughs> I'm going to a Greta Van Fleet show <laughs> for eternity. And the thing is, you know, I have been one of the few people in the press I feel like who've actually been um, uh, bigging this band up and going, "No, look, wait a minute. Yeah, I know they sound like Led Zeppelin, but when the fuck was that ever a bad thing?" You know what I mean? Mm. Um, the thing is, though, when it... When you have to watch it. <laughs> well, look, they've got 18, 19, 20 songs, something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> in an hour and a half, they could have come come in, bish-bash-boshed it, yeah. done 16 to 18 songs, maybe. Their songs are around three to four minutes long, most of them. I think the longest song they've ever written is about six. Yeah. If they had just gone bang, 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 thank you, good night. Yeah. Even if they did 12 songs in like an hour and 10 or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would have been talking about a really fucking amazing show. And it started. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I've got a beer in my hands. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Yeah. Um, you do that in the morning. You go wake up in the morning and go, yeah, this is awesome. And then reach over and get the old jet, the old vodka. And you go, oh, this is, oh, oh, I stop shaking. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm never inviting you to sleep over <laughs> again. Um, um, and, you know... <coughs> it was, it was um, <clears throat> at first it was great they did a song or two and then the solo started and I was like oh this is going on a bit long and 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 you did you a know, solo after three songs I think they started soloing on the second song oh that is rubbish crap and um, the guitarist can't remember your name sorry but um, Mr Chappie guitarist let's call him um, is not Jimmy Page he, he's he's look let's be very clear super competent super talented young musicians not taking anything away from how they play or or how how, how well they play i think uh-huh. i should say but there's no unique style to any of them and if you're going to do those massive solo thing i mean i'm not a fan of guitar solos or uh, drum solos or anything like that in shows anyway but if you are going to do that, I want you to be Danny Carey from Tool yeah. doing a drum solo or Slash, you can have one solo. Like um, Angus Young. Angus Young. Fun I mean, player. even even download, people going about the greatest show ever, ACDC at download. No, a 30 minute long guitar solo mm. from Angus Young mm. is not good. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not good. I don't give a fuck who you are and how many fucking great songs you've written. I do not want to hear you going widdly diddly 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 widdly widdly for half an hour. And I know, I know that Greta Van Fleet are hailing back to that seventies excess, and they're hailing back to that kind of thing. But there are some things left in the past. I mean, not all bands leave them in the past. Hello, Mr. Wild. Yeah, but but you know, like. There's some things that are left in the past for a reason, generally. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And like, mm. I think Greta Van Fleet are bringing a lot of good things from the Zeppelin stuff to to modern music. Yeah. But in their live show, unfortunately, I feel like they're bringing a lot of the bad as well. Mm. Um, like sure. I say, they played 11 songs. Two of them were covers. Um, five from the from the fires. What did they cover? EP. Whole lot of love. I can't. Oh. <laughs> Immigrant song. Um, no, they weren't that obvious. I cannot remember off the top of my head. Um, very classic rock-esque sounding songs. Um, when they went into the first cover, I was like, is this a new Greta Van Fleet song? Oh, no. And then I found or out Or is it since on. you've been gone, the <laughs> rainbow? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was enormously disappointed. However, everyone around me was fucking loving it. Yeah, but what did they go and see? Well. Fuck them. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, but this then, is the interesting thing. Looking at them, yeah, quite a you know, I don't want to pass judgment, and there's nothing wrong with this, but quite a mainstream esque crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they are that you know, and I, I actually did have a lot of people come up to me, like, people were so excited to the point where they would come up to me and be like, This is amazing, isn't it? And I'm just like, ah. yeah. Why were they coming up to you? Because Cause you were drunk, right? Because you looked pissed, is that what it was? Yeah, because yeah. I was crying and sobbing. <laughs> I always do when I have a drink. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and and I was just like, it, it on on the most surface level, it's great. Yes. Mm. Um, but if you get dig any deeper, then no, not really. And oh, this is going to sound condescending, but fuck it. Um, if you if um, a lot of mainstream audiences only look at music on a surface level, so I think for those let's say casual fans it will appeal to them in a massive way and they will be massive because i remember when doing the review i said they sold out two dates at the forum before they even released the debut album turns out i was wrong steve three they sold out three that is the equivalent of hammersmith apollo yeah sold out before you've released a debut album when was Mm. the last time that happened i don't Uh, think it's happened in our lifetime no it would have done something like that would have well Something like that would have definitely happened at some point to an artist. I can't think. I can't think if, off the top of my head. If anyone can, please tweet us because I've been racking my brains. So, so this is selling out six thousand five thousand. Well, six thousand tickets is three. It's actually six thousand nine hundred. So it's nearly seven thousand tickets before a debut album is out. What kind of venues are Arctic Monkeys playing? I don't know. Before Maybe that came Astoria. out, pretty big. Yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah, but they probably sold out once. I don't know if they sold out three times. Well, we, we, we need, we need yeah. to research that to find yeah, out. Sure. But yeah, if anyone does know, because I, I can't think of the last time something that mega happened. So yeah. it's going to be massive regardless. I wouldn't be too surprised if they start doing arenas at the beginning of the second album cycle. Yeah. Um, Which you predicted. I did, didn't I? Yeah. Although, well, that hasn't definitely for factual happen, but, but you it did looks predict like it. it's gonna happen yeah you did predict it so yeah. if it does happen then you you can be smug about it then I win. you can have a beer can't you and treat yourself to a beer and then cry <laughs> so there you go Greta Van Fleet 
Told you. Um, <laughs> right, let's do the trade-off. So, Renfrey, you gave me uh, Reflux, The Illusion of Democracy, which yeah. came out in 2004, but really rem- on prosthetic records. Yeah. Um, now, I'm just going to... I've got a bit of a problem with the, the, the stuff you're giving me at the moment. I've got to be honest, because oh. it's all... The, 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 about 85% of it is fucking brilliant. And this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> and I cannot understand how I've never heard this record before. Why is, why is that a problem? Because I gave you Clawfinger. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you, you don't know I'm about to give you I something feel today. Like, like, very, very quickly, I feel like I'm using trade-off as a means of giving you albums that uh, A, you haven't heard of and B, most people won't have heard of that I think are brilliant. Yeah. And I think you're using trade-off half as that but also half to troll the fuck out of me. <laughs> um, no, and that's I, fine. I like, think you we need to straight off you, as we like. You could need a good mix of You're probably stuff, right. You're probably right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. We're not we're not like you know, I'm not about to have a row about it. No, really. no. But that Dude. is how I <laughs> Yeah. I'm off air. I'm yeah. Kick the fuck out right. of me. But um that's not gonna happen. But <laughs> yeah. um but uh yeah, I feel like that's how the trade-off has been going so far. So maybe, um, I mean, th- I don't know. There's so many records that I'm excited about that I don't think people have heard. So Well, that's you know. true. I mean, this... I've not run out. No, so. it's great. I mean, it, it reminds me of Poison the Well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of Poison the Well. It's got that kind of, I mean, kind of opposite December era Poison the Well, mm-hmm. which, you know, is my favourite era of Poison the like Well. Poison the Well? Um, it's got a almost kind of 90s metal production to it. Certainly That does. I really, really, really like. I think yep. it might be slightly tough for some people to take um i don't know anything about this band and i make a point of when i don't know about this band of not googling it or finding out too much about them so i don't know where they're from i'm assuming america yes um i don't know how many albums in this was or Uh, as far as i'm aware this is their debut album and i believe it's the only record they released well that is mental isn't Isn't it? it yeah yeah um i'll give you a little bit of background to be honest if you do google them you won't find a lot Uh but um, very technical, amazing guitar work. Did yeah. you think? Were you yeah, like that's super the thing. Impressed? It's got that like sliding, grooving. It sits somewhere between kind of metallic hardcore and Lamb of God, yeah. or even Machine Head. Yeah. Maybe more Machine Head actually, mm-hmm. because it has got that kind of nineties production. I think if you're thinking Lamb of God and you're thinking the newer Lamb of God, I'd say it's more like kind of New American Gospel era mm-hmm. Lamb of God. But it's that level of savagery mm-hmm. um, with that level of groove. And that level of kind of um, technicality as well. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'd say beyond in terms of the level of technicality. Yeah. But the reason I say this is because I have some secret information stored in my brain, which I'm going to go on put to my mouth now. Um, this the guitarist of this band is Tosin Abassi, who has since gone on to form Animals as Leaders. Fucking hell! Yes. Fucking hell, really? So if you have ever heard Animals as Leaders and gone, I really like this, but I just wish I could hear this phenomenal guitar player play with a band yeah check out reflux because that's exactly what it is that has absolutely blown my mind Mm -hmm. yep and no one as far as i'm you know every single time i go no one's heard of this band i get one cunt on twitter going i heard of them and i did a review of them in 2004 (laughs) yeah all right all right when i say no one i don't mean literally no one you pricks but hardly anyone has heard of this band i haven't heard of them and, um, you know, I, I love Animals as Leaders personally, but even I will admit they've got like four records now that are all kind of similar. And as a result, I don't, 
listen to them all that often. But mm-hmm. Reflux I listen to all the time because it has a bit more to hold on to than... I'm saying this as a fan, who, a massive fan of instrumental, widdly twiddly music. But yeah. even Animals as Leaders is a bit much for me most of the time. Yeah, I, I, I adore appreciate, the debut record. Yeah, yeah, yeah I appreciate yeah. more than enjoy. I think I really when the debut record came out, I was all over it. But then after that, I was just a bit like, okay, we've had quite a lot of this now, you know. Yeah. But um, you get everything that um, uh, Tosin. I, I, I apologize so much if I'm mispronouncing that name, but you get so much that he does on the Animals as Leaders records with, you know, songs and Mm. great songs. Um, Heavy as fuck. So heavy and brutal. And the one thing I will say, again, 54 minutes long, uh, that level of brutality is is quite an undertaking to get all the way through it. I don't think that's a problem because I don't think it really dips in quality particularly. I also think it's quite dynamic as well. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it only really... It is, but it's it never strays from being like dark and heavy. No, no, it's dark, but mm. the dynamic range of what they're doing is yeah. relatively broad. Yeah, especially. I mean, you could argue uh, this was an interesting one, and it's not come up yet. But one could argue that this is a metalcore band, which is part of the reason why I chose it. Now, I would, I, I, yeah, I think that's a fair shout. I don't strongly disagree with that. Um, but for me, this is more in the lineage of um, the band. It reminds me of the most of Spotch, actually. But um, they're kind of a metalcore band. Yeah, yeah. But I have a very distinct line between metalcore I like and metalcore I don't. And it's kind mm. of metalcore. It's more modern metalcore, like the mm. old metalcore stuff. Yeah. No, mate, I'm Botch the same. Obviously, I'm so, yeah. obviously the same as well. Um, it's really good. Thoughts Dictate Reality is like eight minutes long, mm-hmm. seven and a half, eight minutes long. Seven and a half, I think. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> like Rocking just metal. a fucking head fucker. Yeah, real head fucker record. I'm kind of. I need to give you something good, really, because this is this is really good. It's very good, isn't it? You've found a few absolute gems from the world, the underground metal world that I've never heard of before, and I feel a bit embarrassed to have not heard this actually. Especially when you think it's Tosin Abassi from I, Animals as Leaders. That's madness. Why haven't I not heard of this? Don't be embarrassed, mate. Most people haven't. I mean, but but you know, like at the end of the day. Um, yeah, but I'm better I... than most people. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how. I think a friend of mine recommended it at work or something. I, I can't remember how I got into this record, but yeah, it's um, it was before Animals as Leaders were a thing because I didn't have a clue. I, I went, I don't know, I picked up the CD. I was looking through the liner notes. So I was like, is that the same toast and Abassi as uh, Animals as Leaders? And I just it seems unlikely there'd be two playing guitar exactly in yeah. rock bands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's so, but that is a fact that I found out, you know, only a couple of years ago. Right. And I've had this record um, for a while, yeah. 10 years or so, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's just a phenomenal, sounds, <sighs> would you say it's ahead of its time or would you say it's? I think it's, I don't, do you know what? I'm not going to say I think it's ahead of its time because it, it, it you know, Jane Doe, yeah. Calculate yeah, Infinity, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Opposite of December, Imprint by Vision Disorder, El Diablo, like, um, and particularly, yeah. you know, uh, We Are the Romans. They're that's all out fair. by this point, that's you know. Um, but in terms of quality, in terms of quality, it's not far off those records that I, you have just mentioned. No, it's very, very similar. Mm. Very, very like surprise. Like in two thousand and four, it's weird because in two thousand and four, I was like, well, that's when that sound started to shift towards yes. more of the Kill Switch Engage. Yes. Um, much more straightforward. Like, you know, I like Kill Switch Engage a lot. Yes. Um, and Unearthed bands like that mm-hmm. who are a little bit more 
straightforward. Mm. Um, Darkest Hour I love as well. But they are more just like straight ahead metal bands. I thought, yeah. well, that's kind of going away. Um, that sort of old school metalcore or metallic hardcore sound is kind of changing into something different at this point, which I it's- actually, as much as I love those bands that I've just mentioned, they're not as musically interesting as mm. the botches and the cave-ins of this world. It is the apex where I started to become less interested yeah. to the yeah, point yeah, of yeah. non-interest in metalcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, this almost feels like the last of those yeah, it does. early uh, style records, mm. you know. And maybe maybe by that point, I guess because people were moving towards Kill Switches and stuff. I mean, Kill Switches' first album came out like '99 or something, didn't it? Yeah. Um, when was um? Oh no, Live and Just Breathing, uh, uh, was... Just Breathing was 2001, wasn't it? Something like 2002. Yeah. So maybe by that point, this just wasn't the new thing, the cool thing, yeah. or something. And that's probably how it went under the radar. But it's fucking great. Mm. Um, and I think it's far more timeless than a lot of those metalcore record the, yeah. the, you know that new wave of metalcore and stuff like that yeah so. i would i would agree so there you go that's reflux the illusion of democracy if you are a fan of those types of bands i'm a massive fan i've suddenly discovered this incredible new record so do go and listen to it it's fucking great um speaking of fucking great i'm going to see killing joke celebrate their 40th anniversary on Saturday at the Roundhouse. I'm looking forward to that. That will be reviewed on next week's show. And the yeah. reason that I bring it up is because I did that deliberately because uh, I gave you Absolute Descent yeah. by Killing Joke from yeah. 2011. That sounds right. Or 10. I think it's uh, 11, actually. Um, it's yeah. definitely the 13th album. Yeah, it is. Um, the first album back with the with original youth. lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with youth, youth uh, their bass player. Who... It's quite a nice touching story about that happening. So their bassist, um, who had been in the band for a while, Paul, Paul Walker. Raven. Paul, yeah, Raven. Sorry, not Paul. Paul Walker's... Paul Walker, is, he's also dead. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Paul, Ra- yeah, Paul Raven. Yeah, he, he... yeah they, they basically reconvened at his funeral. <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, that's nice, yeah. Um, Killing Joke's a really interesting one. So Killing Joke are a band who I've always admired. Uh-huh. I've seen them a few times live, but always either at festivals or um, I've seen them twice at the Golden Gods, I think. I mean, they only did five, four or five songs, but, you know, I have seen them a few times. I've, mm. I've seen them a good few times. And Jazz Coleman, I find an incredible presence, genuinely unique, uh, amazing enigmatic frontman live. Um, and I've... Tr- Killing Jake's a tough one because where do you start, I suppose? Yeah, uh, fourteen, fifteen records. I mm-hmm. think fifteen now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are all relatively different. Yeah, there's um, certainly very distinct periods of Killing Joke's mm-hmm, career that mm-hmm. are, are like like you say are very very distinct. Mm-hmm. And bar the self-titled debut, you're never really told there's never really a consensus as to where to start and uh i tried so i bought a best of mm-hmm. once which just confused me even more i bet it did. <laughs> to be totally when honest. did that come out and how far up to did that go i'd be interested to know because i don't think i've ever heard of killing joke best of it's seen. a double disc and it, right, is, okay. it is a fit it's an official thing it's not oh yeah yeah, yeah i'm sure yeah yeah i just um i will find out okay um but uh yeah i bought a best of which i thought would clarify things for me and it just uh, it genuinely confused me even more yeah i'm sure um then was like well fuck it i'll just go back to killing joke because that's got the weight on it and i've heard yeah. the metallica cover and i like that 
and just purely I'm gonna be careful here because I'm assuming you adore that record uh-huh. but just in terms of production and uh, that 80s po- uh, post-punk thing mm-hmm. the, the sound of it is is not to my ears to oh, right, taste. Okay. I don't That's a... I can I can appreciate it and I appreciate it in the same way that I appreciate Pretty Hate Machine but it's nowhere near my favourite Nine Inch Nails record because of the way it's recorded and the mm. synths and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'd like to thank you, Steve, because we've found my entry point, I think. I think that's a, it's a great entry point. Yeah. Um, it's a great entry point. After trying for, for several years, um, uh, this is a really, it's so much scuzzier and rockier than I expected it to be. As soon as I pressed play, I was like, oh, hello. Mm. Um, it's much kind of dirtier and grungier than I expected it to be more of an industrial record and I think before I heard this I wouldn't have called Killing Joke an industrial band but now I've heard this I'm like actually they probably should be considered definitely industrial. like sort of forebearers to, to that yeah. like movement for yeah, sure yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't get that before listening mm. to this record and now I do um I, so the first three songs are absolute rages yeah I thought were really good um but at first, I was like, this, this is really good. But I was looking at the rest of the record. I was like, okay, it's like about 55 minutes long. If it's all going to stay like this, this is awesome. But I think I'm going to be a bit bored by the end. So, it, But thank God, it changed. Mm. I like By track five, it goes into this song, European Superstar. Which is just, just one of the best songs of their entire career. I, I thought, fucking well, love that song. This is the thing. If you had described that song to me, I would have gone, doesn't sound like I like that. Yeah. But... Because um, it's kind of like a, you know... Disco r- throbbing... Retro future, 80s yeah. synth type throbbing thing. Mm. Um, but um, I loved it. It actually... I don't know if you will get this reference, but a lot of people will. It actually sounds like um, some of the music from the new Deus Ex games, which is not a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. I really, really loved that song. Yeah, it's um, amazing. Uh, love the world... Uh, oh, no, sorry. Love uh, uh, This World Hell is phenomenal yeah um, his vocals on that are absolutely brilliant and yeah the, the raven king is a kind of kind of tribute tribute yeah, to yeah, Paul really raven, which is really lovely it's not often that you can i don't well as far as i'm aware it's not often that you could call killing joke a beautiful band but i thought this was quite no. beautiful really no that's fair yeah they're more kind of apocalyptic than, yeah. than beautiful yeah. to be fair um the quietest called Endgame, which is one of the songs on it, a 21st century industrial metal version of subterranean homesick blues, which I thought was quite a good shout. Yeah, it is actually. That is, that is a great shout. I've <laughs> so, never heard that before. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a good review. That's good. That yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, um, I was going to ask you, my favourite song on the yeah. record, as much as I love European Superstate, the last track on the record, uh, Ghost of Ladbroke Grove. Yes, yes. That dub bass line. And actually they released... Um, uh, there is uh, an album that I've got, Killing Joke, in dub, which is kind of like oh. these kind of deep reggae, um, sort of deep dub <clears throat> reggae sound system kind of reimaginings oh, of cool. their songs. I mean, we talked a few weeks ago about Echo and the Bunnymen re- mm. re- not bothering to reimagine their songs on, <laughs> on a reimagining <laughs> album, whereas that Killing Joke album gives everything this kind of like deep woozy, like, ba- and, and that song in particular, Ghost of Ladbroke Grove, which is about. Uh, I guess kind of the gentrification of London mm-hmm. and um, about them kind of growing up in sort of squalid, you know, punk, Thatcherite punk, um, like West London, mm-hmm. and then looking at what it looks like now mm-hmm. or what it looked like in 2011. I mean, it probably looks even worse for them now. Yeah. But, um, but it's just such a fucking great song. 
Like it's such a great song. It's a great and, way to end the record. And it's, yeah, it's a brilliant way yeah. to end the record. Like really kind of threatening and really yeah. kind of like mourning their fucking like it, it it could have been like proper old man shouts at a cloud, but actually <laughs> it just feels a bit sad, but it feel it kind of manages to feel angry and sad and it's time, yeah. yeah, it's great. I'm I'm glad you like this record. Yeah, and I think yeah. there's so many more avenues for you to I mean kind of the reason I picked it is because I think with the exception of um the debut album and there's a couple of like 90s like I know Pandemonium people yeah, go mad for as well which I don't people, actually think is as, I actually don't think is as good as this I think this might really? be my second favourite Killing Joke album wow. after the debut What's This For is really good as well people um, really love the one that Grohl drummed yeah the, the sort of second self titled that's really good as well yeah. that's wicked I think I'd take this over that right um, they had a little period then where I mean the album before this, which was uh, Hosanna from the Basement yeah. of Hell, yeah. which is one of the best names for an album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that actually, um, that's not a that's not a great record. It's a couple it of good. It's a couple of good songs on it. Okay. It's not a great Killing Joke record, and they've not really followed it up with to with with, with anything that's of the standard of this. Um, but there's there's definitely shit to dip into throughout like their entire back catalogue. They're mm. fucking. They're a great band. So where, if I like this, where should I go next with Killing Joke? I Better, would so say... Rather than your next favourite, what is I would say go, to, go for the sort of the self-titled, the second, the Dave Grohl self-titled. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably quite good. And then you can kind of nip back a little bit um, and, uh, yeah, do the kind of 90s stuff after that. I feel which like... Which is their sort of second wind. Because there is a couple of their albums in the sort of latter period of the 80s, which aren't great. Right. Like, you don't... I think something I said before, like, they, they've released this box set with all of their albums on vinyl and it's about 700 quid. Yeah. And I was like, I would really like that. Yeah. But you don't actually need every single Killing Joke mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. You probably do need about nine of them, though. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're a, they're a consistent band, but they've got a few that are just a bit ho-hum. But overall... I, for me, Killing Joker are and always have been, well, I say always have been, they have been for a very long time now, one of the one of the great bands that this country's produced. I think this this album has made me want to explore more yeah. uh, and, and less afraid to explore. Like I said, once I got that best song, mm. it just confused me even more. <laughs> uh, and I think also once I've listened to a couple of other records, going back to the first one or the first three, actually, people love don't they yeah i think um they'll make more sense yeah as well so definitely yeah will. awesome yeah. thank you yeah, very yeah. much no it's great um so renfrey next week um <laughs> i'm gonna keep on a kind of industrial tip okay. i was listening to this the other day completely by uh, random by chance i don't know if you've heard of it but i heard it before um the debut album from gravity kills have you heard that no okay gravity kills debut record from 1996 um, actually, they were the middle band on the Stoosh tour with Skunk and Nancy when oh, Stereophonics right. opened. Oh. Stereophonics, Gravity Kills, and Skunk and Nancy. Quite a weird what bill. Oh, yeah, okay. Quite a weird bill. Um, but is it self titled? It is self titled, nice. yes. Okay. Um, I'm on an Emma Ruth Rundle kick, so I would like to give you Marriage's first record if you've not heard it. Okay, yeah, I haven't uh, heard that. Kitson. After Daniel Kitson or Paul Kitson? Uh,. So Daniel Kitson's the comedian, Paul Kitson's the former yeah, Newcastle Kitson, and West Ham striker. Daniel Kitson is S-O-N, isn't it? Yeah, uh, so is Paul Kitson S-U-N-E. as well. S-U-N-E. Ah, oh, it's neither of them, that's weird. Sorry, mate. Um, not about Paul Kitson, that seems 
like an odd thing. That seems weird for a feat of an American, uh, like, <laughs> heavy band. Paul Kitson. That seems odd that an American heavy band wouldn't write an album about former West Ham, Derby and Newcastle footballer from the 90s, Paul Kitson. I mean, if only you told me this before I interviewed Emma, I could have quizzed her on so, it. So, yeah, but, what, you know. what's your problem with Paul Kitson? I thought that's the main reason why alternative music exists in I America. I think the interview would have ended prematurely. <laughs> that, but that's fine. All right. Well, anyway, I'm definitely going to uh, go and listen to that. I'm, I'm a fan of Emma Ruth Rundle. Right, Renfrey, let's do some reviews. Where to start? Well, there's only one place to start, isn't there? Yeah, you're going to love this. The you? new album from Muse. It's called Simulation Theory. It is their seventh album. Um, uh, it's their eighth, isn't it? Is it their eighth? What am I, what am I missing? Shape its origin. It's the, it's you count a live one? You count a live one, don't you? No. You're not? No. Have I miscounted? Yep. Okay, fine. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not counting this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because... Anyway, um, it's it's the new album from Muse. You know Muse. When we did our Venn diagram, it is eight. Okay, sorry. Um, it is... Uh, I mean, I will slaughter you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you don't know about Muse. No, I don't. Um, uh, so when we did our Venn diagram of um, glad prog bringing, rock... Glad you're bringing this up. Yeah. We put Muse in because we said, well, you know... Because I made you... <laughs> You made me, but I was happy to do it, and and I am I am not a fan of Muse mm. at all. I think Black Holes and Revelations is quite good. I heard Absolution, I thought it was good as well, um, really Abs- good. Absolution's really good. Yeah, Absolution Let's is good. It. Absolution is very good. It is good. Everything else I've ever done, I do not like. I don't even actually. We're thinking about it. I don't really like Black Holes and Revelations. I think it's got a few good songs in it, but I'm not that mad. But what they've done is they've taken progressive rock in the uh, modern era when it wasn't very cool at all, and they've turned it into the sort of thing that can headline Glastonbury, the sort of thing that can headline Wembley Stadium, the sort of thing where they are literally one of the biggest bands on the face of the planet, full fucking stop. Which was absolute, which was the key reason why we <coughs> put them into the Venn yeah. diagram. There are people, a lot of people moaned. A lot of people moaned, did, but, um, you know. including me. Um, but, no one, but no one can disagree with that statement. That yeah. They, they made prog rock mainstream. There are people who don't know what prog rock is. Yes, who are listening, who, like who are listening to Muse, yeah. and they, they probably still don't really know what prog rock yeah. is, but like... They would never dream of listening to Meshuggah or to Porcupine Tree. Some of them or, wouldn't dream of li- listening to Pink Floyd. Or Biffy Clyro. Some of them. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Muse are massive. Yes. Right? Eight albums just, in. They've just announced another stadium tour as well. So, they're still massive. They are. Yeah. Um, it, uh, but, <laughs> here we go. With hey, boy, the I, eighth I, album. Shall I start by saying that... It's been, um, it's such a shitter that I have been the one lone voice going, oh, no, honestly, Steve, music are great. Mm. And then they come out with an album and it's this. It's such a pain in the fucking ass. Like, talk about bad timing. So what this album is, and I'm going to spunk it straight away. Mm-hmm. What this album, album is, <laughs> yeah, this album is a midlife crisis of an album <laughs> this is a uh, a fat bald man with a ponytail wearing an reo speed wagon in a lamborghini talking to a girl who works in spearmint rhino and trying to get her phone number that's what this record is that's what i it did after is... Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> <laughs> it is honestly it is like 
Um, th- well, that's what it is. To well, me, that is what it is. It just sounds like some people who are literally haven't got a fucking clue what is going on. Well, mm, I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, because for starters, I would say that this album is... Uh, Exactly what it looks like on the tin, or rather the front cover, um, which <laughs> which Chrome, <laughs> which is a um, sort of retro eighties electro pop. If you've not seen the cover, it's designed by the person who did all oh, the Stranger Things covers yeah. and so on and so forth. Uh, so things. zeitgeist, zeitgeisty as fuck. Yeah, and you know, I th- I think I've expressed this concerns about this on the podcast before, but. I was concerned as soon as I saw the cover because the thing with Muse, for me, is they've always been the opposite of the zeitgeist. So if you consider an album like Showbiz or Origin of Symmetry, mm-hmm. Showbiz came out in 99, Origin of Symmetry 2001, these massive prog rock epics that had as much to do with Bach as they did Rage Against the Machine yeah. in the era when new Metal was taking over the world. Yeah. I mean, whatever you think of Muse... Fair play in terms of not following the fashion and not following um, what's popular. So, yeah. seeing <coughs> the cover for this album, <laughs> which is fucking insane, it looks like Tron puked on itself, um, <laughs> is, uh, I mean, I believe wholeheartedly that Matt Bellamy and the rest of the Muse guys are into retro 80s stuff they're certainly the right yeah. age yeah so i don't believe it's i mean a cynical why move. why wouldn't they be everyone else's <laughs> it's just it's just timing wise it is a bit like guys it does feel like you've gone stranger things is big you know what shall we do a retro 80s electro pop album uh-huh and that's kind of what they've done it's the 80s they electro have. pop meets news it's 80s it? electro pop Made by people who have never listened to 80s electro pop. It is Do you the think sh- that's true? It is the sh- well, I, listen, I, I, I don't know if that is true. I, I de- uh, one thing I will say about Matthew Bellamy is he he, he listens to a lot of Okay, shit. all right. He listens to okay. a lot of stuff. Okay, so. there's a difference between listening to something and... At, like, I can watch Pelé play football. <laughs> I cannot fucking score a goal in the World sure. Cup final, yeah, okay. right? you got to have more than a fucking... Flock of Seagulls CD, like which is what he's got. Uh, I'm. It's bizarre as fuck. This record. It is bizarre. It's so it? bizarre. Like there's hardly any guitars on it for a start. Which no, for a band yeah, who yeah. are you know like utterly characterised by this, like you say, bark, um, overblown, quite pompous. Let's be honest. In, the, in yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. nice way of yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. nicest possible way. Well, bark meets rage against the machine. I think, yeah, I, I think yeah. Like you know, like, well. what do you what do you think of with rage against the machine? Big fucking riffs, yeah. and you know, fair play. Like Matt Bellamy has already has always done that. Yeah. But there's, I, I just thought it was it's it's amazing that a record can be so weird and so boring and so boring. Yeah, it's so bizarre and yeah. yet so dull. Yeah, it just ploddy plod. It's like everything's yeah. going off. Yeah. It's, and nothing's it, happening. It's, it's, it is a bit of a... a, a the is, loudest shout with nothing to say. Yeah. Oh, hello. Very good. Um, it's a, it is a bit of an oxymoron on this record. In it the, is. In that it is. It's got lots of bells and whistles and all sorts of things going on. And it's so bright and neon. And yet it is actually quite dull. Yeah. It is a bit boring. I mean, I found myself... I, I've, I, I, 
it is impossible to get all the way through uh, without like well I've, 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 well every, I know time, every time I've listened to it I have listened to it the whole way through really yeah but that's more because it barely penetrates my brain that's it. I just find myself getting halfway music. through and going I don't I, can't, I don't want this on anymore mm. it's just somebody going and it going beep 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 it's like fucking someone moaning over Pac-Man <laughs> like I don't want to listen to that like the end of the world and mind drones and stuff like that yeah there's like oh it's just I, it's just it's just such a fucking it feels like such a cash grab it feels like I mean and the thing is about I mean, Muse is Muse don't need to do it I know they do don't they? but yeah but they it's all so do weird. it they all fucking do it yeah. Fallout Boy I mean like not like Fallout Boy ever had any integrity ever <laughs> but like do you know what I mean like all of these bands these massive bands are now a bit like rock music's not cool is it we'll have to do sort of something else um, and we'll tone down the guitars and I well, just think like we think- don't know like how <sighs> they've got more chance of doing like you know when you go see Green Day and their 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 fan base stays the same age has always stayed the same age they've always kind of managed to be like oh it's a bunch right. of sort of yeah, 14 yeah, yeah. to 20 year old kids no matter mm. like mm. they've been around for 10 years They've been around for 20 years. They're still getting these. Like, and Green Day seems to be one of those bands who their audience doesn't really age. And I think bands get to a point where they go, don't really want our audience to age anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. Muse have become like a dad band. Mm. And maybe they went, oh, we don't really want to be a dad band. We're Muse. Mm. We're mad, aren't we? Like, I'm Matt Bellamy. I live on the, the fucking moon. And I've got a Listen, really well. It's coming from yeah, but you think I I know aliens and I've got a really flat head. But I'm not having. <laughs> That's an odd thing to say. He has got a flat. I mean, well, I don't no, know no, why, no, but no, he's no. got a flat head, hasn't he? A little ratty midget man that he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> this has now become less of a review. Yeah, and more of just like just now. like slagging off Matt Bellamy. But but it, I I just think. Uh, striking that from the conversation I, I do sort of think that that is um, that is something that bands look at like how how can we remain relevant to a younger generation of people and I, and I think massive bands like Muse or a, a massive band like Muse are not going to want to be thought of as, as a, dad rock as a kind of sure. dad rock oh you know we're part of the because they came up you know, post Raging Machine, all that stuff, where the whole idea was burn it all down, like the idea of like the past. You know, in the nineties, you you know, it wasn't cool to be thought of as being like the Led Zeppelin or whatever. Fuck, like it was not cool not. at all. No, and I think Muse are now going, oh shit! Like they're looking at Post Malone and stuff like that, and Kendrick Lamar, and going, oh fuck, we're suddenly the dinosaurs. So this album to me feels very much like a reaction to the idea, whether it's true or not, mm. that Muse's, the perception of Muse is they are this kind of like nerdy band for sort of people in their early 30s, early to mid 30s, and they don't want that. Maybe, but what I will say, like even if that is the case, and let's face it, neither of us actually know. No. But even if that is the case, one thing I will say is at least even if the theme is cynical at least it makes sense and it works it's not like i don't know does it 
Yeah, because because retro eighties stuff is oh right the idea yeah the idea I and I think I think I don't think the songs uh, fail to work. I don't think most of them are very good. I think isn't that failing to work? No, I think there are differences. I think there are there are experiments and stuff where you're like, oh, that just doesn't work. And then sometimes you can just just not like a song. Like you yeah, know, I don't know. Uh, Diantwood, De- Diantwood. Yeah, the songs work. I don't like them. Right, but okay, they work. Enough. You know. Mm. Um, but uh, like, I, I, just, oh, I just don't even know. I'm I'm so disappointed because I think genuinely um, on drones. I'm not, which was the pre- album previous to this. Yeah. I'm not going to call Drones a return to form because <laughs> A, it isn't. Uh, and B, that's overused. But I will say that it was a return to a rockier, scuzzier, riffier kind of sound. And there were some tracks on it. Like half of that record is actually, in my opinion, as a Muse fan, mm-hmm. um, actually really good. It's, you know, my favourite of the latter day Muse records by quite a long way. And so there was a part of me which was like, oh, maybe maybe a Muse are regaining their mojo because they'd had a couple of albums which were... Gash, I think is the correct term. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right to uh, me. Yeah, and um, they've just retooled up with more Gash, really, and um, put it in Neon and... Yeah, there's bits in it that like I neon mean, gash. That's what they should have called this. I I think people think. See, it's the thing, right? I really like Duran Duran and Talk Talk and yeah. Flock of Seagulls yeah, and yeah. the Thompson Twins and that you know like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tears of Fears, all that. Like, I genuinely will sit down and listen to that. And I think yeah. people like think that you know. That's not the fucking zeitgeist for me. I've just always liked... I can confirm Steve fucking Teardrop explodes and stuff like that, you know, and Julian Cope, um, which is obviously quite different to what I've just been talking about. But I feel like people think, that's easy to do that sort of stuff. Like, it's just, they were just sort of stupid pop bands. Like, and... Like, honestly, like, Nick Nick Kershaw's album is better than this. (laughs) Like... I've not heard Nick Kershaw's album. That that sounds really harsh. No, it's not harsh. Like, Nick Kershaw's got some fucking... I've got Nick Kershaw's great... Nick Kershaw's greatest hits is far better than this. Right. And, and, you know, like, Nick Kershaw is not a genius by any stretch of the imagination. Nick Kershaw is not the sort of person that you should be putting up on a pedestal and going, isn't he wonderful? But Nick Kershaw wrote some really, really fucking great 80s synth-driven soft rock stroke pop songs. Like, he did. And I get the feeling that people look are looking back to the eighties with these sort of rose tinted glasses and going, ah, it's easy. This one you just put a load of synth over everything, and then you kind of sing in a falsetto voice. And I, I I think Matt Bellamy has more musical knowledge and know how than that. But why then? Why is this album so rubbish? He obviously can't do it. He obviously can't. I mean, he obviously can't do it because you've heard this record. Mm. And it is not catchy. No, it is it's not. not. It, the songs aren't catchy. The songs aren't good, right? No. The songs. The songs. I, I'm sorry to like be that blunt about it, but there's there's nothing on here which actually grabs you in any way other than what are you doing? Or oh, God, this is boring. How long has this been on for? Like four fucking minutes. My God, it feels like forever. And it's all and it it's all kind of this scattergun 
I don't even know, like blancmange of just synth and high-pitched vocals and no hooks and no yeah, kind of craft and no real that. understanding of what... It just feels like... It just, like I say, it just feels like uh, a word, midlife crisis. I think the word blancmange is quite good. Yeah, it's about it, as exciting as a blancmange. It is, and it's like yeah. nothing... Like it, It's so weird to review an album where you go, I can't... Uh, you listen to it and you go, what are they thinking putting that in there? What are they thinking putting that in there? Why are they doing that? And then you get to the end of it and you go, I literally cannot remember a single solitary note of that record. No, I have to admit, I um, do agree with that assessment for the most part. Um, in in the sake of, for the sake of balance, um, I quite like Break, Break It To Me, which is the fifth track which has a vaguely Rage Against the Machine-esque riff and some oh, interesting God, yeah. Middle oh. Eastern-esque vibes. Oh, terrible. It's my favourite song on the album. Yeah. I don't think it's a Muse classic and I don't think it should go down in history or anything like that, but I think that's all right. What's the one that I just wanted to jump off of a bridge? Um, get Up and Fight. Oh, that, oh, that oh, song is terrible. It is. Yeah. Just, but you know what? This album's been reviewed. Um, it's been mixed, definitely. But there are people who like it. 4K and Kerrang. Uh, oh, I can't remember the others. Um, That's it. <laughs> uh, four stars in Enemy. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there are there are people who like this album for some reason. Mm. Um, but... So I expect those two on the front cover. Of... <laughs> Those on the front cover of Muse and Kerrang. Yeah. Muse on the front cover of Kerrang and Enemy soon. Fingers crossed. Are we possibly still going to see them at the Royal Albert Hall though? Maybe, maybe, possibly, I'm not maybe. going to that. No way. Oh, mate, please can I go? <laughs> you can go, but not with me. Oh. I'm not going to watch this. They're really good live. I don't want to go. They're good live. I'm not going. I'm They're not going. good I'm live. Going. Last time I saw them, a drone crashed at two miles an hour into a, the audience. It was good. Renfrey, I'm not going to see Muse. I'm sorry, I'm not going to see Muse. I'm just like, I didn't really want to go and see them before. So, <laughs> my, my work have got a box <laughs> to go and see. Like, my day job's got a box of people for like Muse. And they were talking today and going, they want to go to Muse. And everyone in the office, we put this album on and everyone went, no, no one wants to go. Like, no one wants to go. <laughs> So, Do you know, well, okay, I will say this. I, I still, don't sound like I'll be able to now, but I still genuinely want to go because Muse, regardless of the record they're on, I've seen them on the album. This isn't even my least favourite Muse record to make it, you know, from a man's perspective. But I've seen Muse on my least favourite record playing quite a lot of that record and I still thought they were fucking amazing. So to be honest with you, live they've never disappointed me okay well i'll see what i can do mate i'll see what i can do i might be able to sort you out but i'll just sneak you in the back i'm not going anyway that's a new <laughs> album from muse it's called simulation theory and oh it's not very good anyway let's move on <laughs> it's quite it's just a tough week for reviews i think because i know you like muse and i don't particularly but um hard to be that harsh on someone you like Oh, Tom York, the we so okay. Here's this is less of a review and more of a kind of peek behind the curtain of our lack of communication, really, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. you said are we going to review the new Tom York a couple of weeks ago? And, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, and I went, went oh, yeah, and I went, oh, I don't know, I don't, oh, it's a soundtrack, isn't it? And you went, yeah, and I went, oh, think about it. And then I 
sort of thought, oh, maybe we should. And you went, oh, I don't know. And then last week, apropos of nothing, I said we were going to review it on without air. on air. And I had no idea. And we didn't know. <laughs> so we're kind of bang to rights, aren't we? That I've had to. Le- and the second I put it on, so we have to review it. And that's what we're going to do now. Um, yeah, it's 80 minutes. It's 80 minutes double album of <laughs> um, music movie. for the film Suspiria. 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 The Suspiria. remake of the. Remake. Is it um, Dario Argento? Dario Argento. Uh, uh, did the original Italian director yeah I've seen the original uh, and it's really good good well won't help you here though (laughs) so I've not seen the remake remake, um, and I've not seen the original you've at least seen the original yes so so we should probably start this by saying we have not heard this soundtrack in context which obviously obviously that is how soundtracks are intended to be heard yeah I mean I really like the stuff Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do on soundtracks I would listen to Social Network score um, but I've seen Social Network 10 times but and also a soundtrack in order to be successful doesn't uh, it only needs to work with the images yeah of course that's why I mean actually sorry to cut you off but that felt like a good moment i did a piece for um, metal hammer online about lulu yes uh, as in uh, metallica and lee reed not yeah not about the short scottish pixies yeah. yeah yeah no no not not her although um, you would do a piece about lulu i would yeah. <laughs> what i'd do but um how <laughs> oh, lulu great um she said shout uh <laughs> <laughs> the end got some money thank you um so yeah uh i did a piece on lulu the metallica and lee reed thing and my kind of point to that was it can't really judge it harshly if you haven't, if you're not aware contextually of what it's about. So it's a, the German expressionist playwright whose name escapes me at the moment, um, who wrote a series of plays which was going to be sort of redone in Berlin in 2011 or 12 when, this, when that record came out. I hadn't seen it. I don't know. I am the table. Yeah, it sounds funny when you don't know what he's talking about. It might be really profound. Who knows? We don't know. That was kind of my point. Was that a soundtrack to that, though? Kind of. It was based on um, on those... I, I believe it was based on the idea that Lou Reed was approached, that they were going to redo those plays, and they wanted Lou Reed to create a soundtrack to it. And Lou Reed okay. asked, had some kind of old recordings of stuff... And he gave it to, and they kind of gave it to Metallica and, and just decided to and it ended up being an album. Like what happened to the actual performances, I, I don't know. But again, my point is, is that you kind of you do need that context. You're right. I think you're completely right. Yeah. You do actually need to have that contract uh, that contract, that context when going into these sort of things. So we both love Radiohead. Absolutely. Like, absolutely one of the yep. all time greatest bands ever. Yep. Tom York is a legitimate musical genius genius yep. icon a fantastic human being adore his solo stuff as well his solo stuff is very very good as well um this but this is not this this is not anything that anyone needs to listen to without listening to the, the without seeing the movie i think it's kind of pointless like even us talking about it and that's my fault sorry <laughs> but um there's so little it's so minimalist and it's so uh, kind of it's barely there to be honest a lot of it sounds exactly how I expected it to sound which was kind of like a uh, electrofied updating of the psycho score almost yeah. I mean the atmosphere that it creates is you know it is sphinx sphincter tightening yeah um, it, and it does the job that it's <coughs> to, I, I'm, I'm certain 
that with the movie this soundtrack is going to give you like to give you the willies is such an understatement yeah i listened uh, to it in bed last night with oh, the lights no, no, off no, 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 no. and it did scare the shit i mean yeah. i live i got no just me and bonjour in the house and i'm like oh I hope, christ I hope i'm saying i'm not I hope i'm not speaking out of turn but before we start recording you said you've been having trouble sleeping if that's how you've been trying to get to sleep yeah i think i see the reason why you're having problems sleeping at the yeah moment. it's just a very um, yeah it's a very odd and very disorientating soundscape of stuff most uh, let's 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 be fair most of it is mm. but not all of it there are a few um what i would call songs as opposed to pieces of music I yes guess. um and actually those songs are fucking great um uh there is suspirium um mm. is a really beautiful reprieve from the sinister edge that has come before it and um, he's singing over this delicate kind of almost waltz that he's playing on the yeah. piano. Um, and it is really beautiful. If it were a Radiohead song, I'd be well into it. So. Yeah. And there's also a song called Has Ended, which um, basically sounds like Porter's Head, the band, not the country. The place. The country. The, place. Country. <laughs> yeah. the country. Fade up in the, the middle of it. <laughs> Fade up in the middle of it. And uh, also has a son, Noah, playing drums. Wow. Um, nice. Which is interesting. It probably. is. Um, but but the majority of the soundtrack is just sort of score score exactly and it's a score menace a and yeah, yeah, yeah and exactly. so uh, sorry we shouldn't have bothered with that but you know like I, I think I think sometimes it is worth um, there are some soundtracks as you say Trent Reznor's soundtrack sometimes they are worth listening to. In, uh, with the film with, with well even without the film some of them I think um Not I wonder them. if I mean that's the thing is I don't know if I'd get all the way through the social network score oh, really? having not seen the social network. Okay. okay. But I are... mean, it's much catchier and it's much more dy- the the social network score is far more I don't know why we just pinpoint on that one. I think it's because it's probably the only one that I Go back to a lot. I also I got, I got sent the. Um, I did an interview with John Carpenter recently for yes. Metal Hammer, and I got sent the Halloween soundtrack um, that he did for yeah. the new Halloween film. Yeah. And again, I've not seen that Halloween film yet, but half of that I really liked, and half of it I was like, well, I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, you do need. I, I, I think you would struggle to really appreciate. Like, I will listen to the Social Network score from beginning to end, yeah. but I've seen but the Social Network the on yeah, yeah, yeah. God knows how many times. There are very few soundtracks that work without the film. There yeah. are some. Um, I'm a massive admirer of Clint Mansell. I think he's wonderful. Okay. He's yeah, done yeah. a lot of work with Darren Aronofsky, so he did the score for Pi and Requiem for a Dream and The yeah. Fountain, which I think is the best thing he's done. Moon, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Doom, funnily enough, the uh, adaption of the video game. With The Rock. <laughs> with The Rock, yeah. Poor old The Rock. The Rock's <laughs> not been in a good film. The Rock's in The Other Guys with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Oh, that is, is actually A very, really very funny good. film. Yeah, he's yeah, only yeah. in it for a little bit, but there is not... He's great, The Rock. He is, But actually. he's not... Um, he's not in any he's good, not films. In good films. It's yeah. a shame, that, isn't it? It is a shame. Anyway, so that's the review of the new Tom York album. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. <laughs> the Rock. Because obviously you're uh, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like Tom York's brilliant, and you know this is probably my fault. We've decided to communicate um, over the album reviews before before uh, recording <laughs> from now on. Yes, yeah, that's been enough to make me <laughs> so not do it. All right, let's move on. Can't Swim, we're going to be talking about next. This too won't pass. It is the second album from the New Jersey Punks. <laughs> oh, you fucking New Jersey Punk. Um, who probably don't speak like that in any <laughs> way whatsoever. Right, um, so 
Can't Swim's debut record was one of the biggest surprises in a long time for me. Because yep. I would kind of ostensibly describe this as a pop-punk record. Or I would describe them as a pop-punk band. Or I certainly would have done on the first record anyway. Um, They're a difficult band to pin down. I think you could describe them as a pop-punk band on that first record. I, I don't think that's inaccurate, but I don't think it paints the whole picture. No, that's fair. But... We don't review pop punk as a rule because it's not very good as a rule. Do you know what I mean? Like what, what pop punk bands have we, um, or what, what that is to do with pop punk have we ever spoken about on this? I think this is the first time. I didn't realise we had it as a rule, but, but you, oh, no, generally no, no. you well, and I are not into pop punk. Yeah. yeah, that's more what I meant. I didn't mean as a rule as in it's a rule. Mm. I just meant <laughs> we're not going to review pop punk. There aren't going to be many It's shit. So um, why would you? And, um, yeah, like, if the fucking Good Charlotte album comes out, we're not going to review that. Because you'd have to listen to the Good Charlotte album. Yeah. And why... I'm 38. I've got better things to do. Yeah. Pointless. But, um, but it was a shock for me, uh, Can't Swim, because I didn't really know much about them. I thought, uh, like, a kind of poppier, one of those, like, sort of newer pop-punk bands. And the album was fucking brilliant. Uh, it was my 13th favourite album of the year and last year. You can pay it no higher praise than that. Um, well, I could have put it 12th, but... I yeah, think. well, apart from 12th, yeah. Um, or 11th. Yeah, yeah. Shall I go um, through all the numbers? <laughs> no, no, I think people can count <laughs> down from 10. Um, but yeah, but so the second album comes along. Um, and my mindset at this point is very different because I expect yeah. to like this record. Yeah. Um, and I do like it, Renfrey. Right. I do. Do you like it a lot? I like it. I'm not sure I like it as much as the first one. Okay. Oh, interesting. I think it's very different. Yeah. Very different. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And it's weird that I'm saying I'm not sure I like it as much as the first one. I'm not saying I definitely think that, by the way. I think at the moment, there's so many, like, really, really great songs on that first one that I I loved. I can't remember the name of that first one. Fail You Again. Fail You Again. That's it. Um... Failed you again, didn't it? It bloody did. It did. Um, this is a heavier record. It's got a. It really is. It's it, a more Stephen Hill record, which is why I let out a little oh mm, of uh, surprise. Mm. But yes, I do think. I mean, there's a few like straight from the first track. Um, what have oh. we done? Like, which is killer. And it and it, it's got a bit more. It's almost like I don't really want to call it sort of taking back Sunday esque, but it has got like there that dual are, vocal. There are more screams on it. More there's, screams. Um, there's a lot of uh, not not that there's loads of screams, um, but the way that the screaming works with this record, it's maybe ten percent of the vocals. But as a result of that, because it's not all over it, it's more powerful when it happens. Yeah. There's a bit on this first. Uh, the first song where the whole band just stops and then this guy just goes evil and <laughs> yeah. it's like oh my god I love yeah. it um, it's so fucking good it's great um, it's got a bit I of a it. it's it's much more going away from kind of very very from out it's, this feels more like when they were, they were Alkaline Trio before and they're a bit more like Alexis on Fire at this point yeah, maybe Alexis on Fire is a a bit too might be a bit too far but you get what I'm saying I don't think that's a bad shout actually as, as someone who actually loves Alexa on Fire I'm not sure about your feelings with Alexa on Fire but, um, um, no right okay um, but um, uh, you know I feel like this is kind of in a similar vein to that. like I said before they're a very difficult band to pin down 
I think they've got, you know, a little bit of emo, a little bit of pop punk. I think on this record particularly, they've got a little bit of post-hardcore. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, a little bit of post-punk, a little bit of indie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these different elements and they put them all together to create something unique sounds is going too far but definitely different from their contemporaries a little bit scuzzier a little bit raspier Um, I think voices and vocals in this kind of music is really important Mm -hmm. because a lot of it is kind of um, storyteller-ish yeah, uh, or, or at least um, emotive lyrics and so on and so forth and uh, Chris Laporto's voice I, I I just love it. I actually described it in the Independent last year as uh, him sounding like Ernie from Sesame Street, but really, <laughs> but really pissed off. Yeah. Um, and that sounds like a bizarre thing to say. I, it is meant as a compliment, um, but he has this really unique voice um, in a similar way that John Loudon from Restorations has a really unique voice, which yeah. you know you can tell it's him. Um, I think of those kind of bands, and when I say those kind of bands, I mean sort of modern emo punks kind of thing. Uh-huh. I think after Restorations, this is my favourite of of the new breed. Mm. Um, I'm talking about the new breed like, of the last five, six, seven, eight, nine years kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those I bands... don't think this is as good as the Restorations record. Mm, uh, yes, I probably agree with that, even mm. though I wanted that Restorations record to be a little bit longer. But I think it's not far off. And I think it's, you know... This is another short one as well, wasn't it? This flies very by. Very short. It flies by. I reckon it's it's 10 songs, but it's probably it's about ten, half an hour. Yeah, they're all... I guess. The, the first song's two and a half minutes long, and then everything else is... Um, well, there's another one. That's, there's two that are about two and a half minutes long, and everything else is between kind of three minutes and just under four minutes. But do you know what I find really exciting about this band? They're literally three years old. I know, it's great, isn't they it? They formed in 2015. It's mad. And they're sort of and a side project as well. They're not like... Is it a side project? Well, I don't, no, I don't think it is a side project now. I don't think it is now. now. No, probably not now. But I think it, it, did, I don't think it started as like just a sort of dot around, I believe. Well, it's this is actually... It's their second full-length album, but it's actually their third release in three years as well. Yeah. So they are banging them out. And, you know, you would be a little bit concerned that the quality's not there, but it... Everything they've done, and when I say everything, I mean pretty much every song is of a very high quality. I mm. think um, I really, really like this album. And and bearing in mind that like they've only been going for three years, it's quite amazing how well the band gel. They can they're very fluid. They can turn on a dime quite quickly, and they they manage to chuck in a lot of different. You know, there's a bit of psychedelica here, and like yeah. there'll be a chorus where they go from from double time to half time quite you know every other line almost and it's very fluid i mean i can't think of a better way than fluid but for a band who've only been together for three years that's quite the thing to achieve yeah um and it keeps the songs interesting it means they're not boring it means they're always it always feels like they're going somewhere you said about being dynamic yes earlier on when we were talking about reflux and this album is incredibly dynamic because it doesn't ever really settle in one genre for more than about 60 seconds really yeah I was, I was gonna say 20 or 30 but yeah probably 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and every song kind of goes down a slightly different path and you're right you know it just this feels like a brilliant amalgam of all things that are sort of about punk rock like you said yeah. post-hardcore hardcore yeah. um pop punk like kind of skate punk um that 
sort of gaslight anthem um menzinger's sort of yeah, uh, singer songwritery um bit of hot water music yeah maybe. that kind of thing like it's really really good yeah i do think in terms of consistency like not in terms of consistency because i think like you say every song is really good but in terms of a full body of work that just goes this is what you're going to get pop 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 i think the last one it had that it had that thing where it, it felt like consistently cohesive all the way through mm-hmm. whereas this feels a little bit more like we're going to go over here we're going to go over there we're going to go and that's not a problem mm. that's not a problem at all um but it is something where i it, i guess it depends on the songs a lot yeah. of the time and i do i just think the last one the last one had three or four songs on it that i was like that is just such a perfect perfect example of that type of music Mm. whereas there's nothing on this that I would say is a perfect example of this type of music I think there are very 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 good versions of the stuff they're doing but it's you know it's really good mm. like I'm not saying it's not good I'm just saying I think the first album is really great but maybe that's because it surprised me a bit more and I was expecting stuff from this one do you know what I mean I, I like Can't Swim a lot I loved the first record so much I was a little bit worried about pressing play on this one mm. and um <coughs> the last few times I heard it I really liked it but I was like that's really good but it's not as good as Fail You again I've listened to this a lot I don't know how many times but I guess seven, eight, nine times yep. um, and um, I am starting to get to the point where I'm like I, I definitely actually feel it is as good as Fail yeah. You again um, I'm not at a point where I can commit to saying it's better but in terms of it being a bit more ambitious after a few more listens, I believe I might feel that way about it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it is... I love the fact that it's a great It's a great follow-up because it's not... A, I didn't re- expect it. Yeah, I didn't expect no, it. No, it's no. not a retread of failure again. Uh, they're doing something a little bit different. You know, the album explores the concept of evil. Yeah. The Menzingers don't do that. I mean, nothing wrong with the Menzingers. The Menzingers are fucking great, but... You know, I don't see the, the Menzing as putting that thematically into their songs mm. or anything like that. So I think it's a fucking excellent record. The lyrics are amazing on it as well. As yeah, that was true in the first one as well. I think he's yeah, a great lyricist. Yeah. Really, really There's good. There's an amazing lyric, which is basically, for heaven's sake, could I forget that you found someone new? I hope to God you're haunted by this too mm. in my queen, which is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's good that. So there you go. Can't swim. This two won't pass and you said that wrong and so i left a massive gap between each word i mean no one so, would have noticed if you hadn't said it ah well you know i like being honest don't i so <laughs> f- fuck me i've got to pronounce the fucking next one next jesus this is the ocean uh last album comes from the ocean it is called fanoizoic one paleozoic why would you call an album that that is not how it's pronounced okay let's try again fan fanerozoic one paleozoic <laughs> even worse <laughs> anyway it's the seventh album um from the german post metalcore blokes or at least i kind of thought they were a kind of post metalcore band because i saw them a few years ago i view them as a prog band yeah well i saw them at tech fest a few years ago and i thought they were great but they looked like i i think i listened to one of their albums a long time ago and mm. i couldn't and i remember being they like were more death metally when they started right okay yeah so maybe that's what I'm talking about. So maybe I've obviously got it completely wrong, but I remember seeing them and being like, this is good. This feels like really good kind of old school metallic hardcore with some like floaty bits in it as well with some like kind of ethereal bits in it That'd as well. the first two records. Yeah. yeah. And it was really, and I thought they're good. 
Um, and I, but I never really, uh, I've never really delved that deep into them. So they've got into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's their name, isn't it? That's why that's funny. Works on yeah. so many levels too. Delve deep <laughs> into the ocean. Yeah, it's all right, mate. It's fine. Um, as Bruce Forsyth says in that Asda advert, I'll do the jokes. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bruce. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. That'll be the last time I compare myself to Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> um, I, mean, I thought it was quite good. Yeah, anyway. no, 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 very um, good, mate. But I don't know much. The point is, I don't really know much about the ocean, um, even though I probably feel like I should. Well, they have become far more, far more prog prog. Uh, when you said post metal choir, I was like, well, I, I, mm. I would call them a prog band now. Prog, prog as fuck. Prog metal, absolutely. Yeah, prog but, metal. But prog. Um, the most similar band uh, it's a similar sort of thing to Between the Buried and Me really yeah Between the Buried and Me I think there's a little bit of Gojira thrown in there I don't know if I'm just saying that because of the whole environmental thing and uh, Gojira like the ocean as well don't they they do yeah then the water not the band they mm. like the band as well um, but there's Gojira-esque bits and pieces in it I think the singer when he screams sounds a bit like Joe Duplantier a little, a little bit, yeah. Bit, a yeah, bit. a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's that expansive... Uh, you know, Very expansive. Do you know it reminds me of a little bit? Isis. When you get a kind of yeah. panopticon the era. The band, let's make that... Oh yeah, they've changed their name now. They've had to change they're their name. Celestial. Yeah, they're called yes. Celestial now because yes. because of Isis. Well, <laughs> which yes, is they've made a... them change their name. It's the worst thing Isis have ever done. Being a band uh, called Isis is not a great look right now. So no, it's yes, not. they have changed their name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, I can see that. You know, the way shit takes a while to get going, which is, like, <laughs> yeah. that's not an insult in any way whatsoever. Like, no, 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 the no. way that they really kind of stir the pot super slow. Yeah. Um, Celestial do that as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. calling them Celestial. No, it's weird, isn't it? It's annoying, that. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I they've been doing the, this more sort of proggy stuff for the last sort of four or five records. They mm. always have, like, themes which are about kind of um, prehistoric... <laughs> uh, I mean, God, this is going to sound very dry and droll, but sort of prehistoric eras of time, of uh-huh. which this is also about that. So, But yeah. there, there is a sort of... I don't want to talk about that subtext for too long because I don't really care. Um, but there is this... It does sound big and lumbering and almost like the the world is ending kind of thing, uh, in like tectonic plate shifting. In a yeah, way. like it's really big and expansive. This is seven songs in forty eight odd minutes, uh-huh. you know, which gives you an idea. Um, one of the songs is like nine and a half minutes. It's a fucking doozy of a track, um, but I can't remember the name of it. Uh, a Silurian Age of Sea Scorpion. Yeah, I was going to let you say that. This is the kind of nonsense we're talking about in terms of names. Um, but uh, that's, that's a fantastic song with these amazing dynamics. And like f- three, four minutes into it, this amazing, uh, these amazing strings and piano comes into it. And, you know, we're talking about dynamics quite a lot on this um, episode. But the dynamics in this are fucking excellent. It's not just constantly pulverizing you and there's like you know a couple two minute intro which sort of winds you into it slowly and and it works as a whole piece of music which is very you know very much like what prog heads like yeah um in terms of i do know a bit more about the ocean i've been keeping a little bdi on them and um this is yeah, this is really good this is one of the better things they've done in a while apologies about it you just broken my <laughs> just chair breaking your chair uh, i'm not sure what i've done you broke my chair. You have broken my chair. Oh 
fuck, what did I do? You put your fucking... I don't know what you've done. <laughs> do you you broke my fucking chair. No, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you haven't, actually. You haven't. Don't worry about it. You haven't. <laughs> I was completely unnecessary. I'm going to put um, but yeah, I think this is one of the best things they've done in a while. Mm. Um, I I I really liked it. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah. Um, I got a little message from uh, Joe Gosney, guitarist of uh, Black Peaks, earlier yeah. this week, and he was like, "Your mortal enemy." My mortal enemy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he said uh, he asked if we were going to do this album because yeah. uh, he likes it very very much. It, that well. that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um, I think you know it's got the same. It's it's funny you say actually because it's got like particularly on all the divides, um, there is an 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 openness, a kind of a space like you can it's, kind of almost feel the space above you. I think Joe sees that very much in his does, uh, yeah. guitar playing. He does, he does yeah. a lot of arpeggios. Yeah. and stuff and, like and this album has that as well. Very much so. Yeah. And I I like that they kind of. They'll let they'll lift you up and then they fucking swoop you back down. Yeah, yeah. And I like that when it goes re- like you say the, the Teutonic plates thing is a great. It's like slow moving clouds and then being sucked down to sort of Teutonic plates. That's good. I yeah, that. very, it's very, very good. I mean, and this is only part one as well. They're like as, well, I was going to say like in the case of these Phanazoic <laughs> one. So uh, hopefully Phanazoic 2 is going to be coming. It's coming next year. Yeah. So <laughs> look forward to learning how to say that when we review the second part. Um, but also, yeah, Between the Brave and Me is a good shout. I think the the way that Black Peaks do stuff is a good shout. Go Year is a good to, shout. To be honest, I do think the ocean sound very much like Between the Brave and Me, but that's not necessarily a No, not at all. at all. Not at all. I think Between the Brave and Me are wicked. Yeah, Between the Brave and Me are wicked. And Between the Brave and Me are actually like you can a imagine bit more... You can imagine them doing a, a like you can imagine the ocean supporting. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I I actually think the ocean have a little bit more. Ah, I don't know if the word restraint is the right. I, I think between the buried and me German. chuck a lot. Yeah, I think the between the buried and me chuck a lot more shit at the wall. Yes, yes, yes. That's and I think most of it sticks. Incidentally, for that's certainly the true of their earlier stuff. Yeah, and it's probably true of their last stuff as well. Because yeah, it's definitely true. Yeah. Like anything like the parallax sequences yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of fucking like. Just a lot, that's a lot of stuff. Years, mm, yeah, but that's not then. It's not their early stuff, is it? It's not ten years. All right, all right. It's about seven years ago, all and it's right. not their early stuff. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> have a beer, chill out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I do. I really like this. And for considering what we were saying earlier about both Tom York and Muse, um, and it didn't really kind of apply with "Can't Swim" because it's such a short album. This is a fairly long record. And yeah, 48 I th- minutes. Yeah. 40, yeah, but 48 minutes. Short, I'd say songs. short for a prog record. Yeah, famous, okay, fair. Fairly long. But in, in, in general, like, yeah, yeah. you know, um, it's not a, you know, it's not like 30 minute long punk rock record. It's, no. it's a, yeah. Um, I think it needs to be sort of consumed in one sitting. I, agree. I can't imagine turning it off halfway through. I agree, yeah. And, yeah. and I don't think it gets boring by the no. end. Um, even, you know, there's, there's a song which is like 11 minutes long, which might... Yeah. Put that is called but... Devonian Nascent. I, I, I think this Said is that the right? thing. Definitely. In, t- <laughs> in terms of... 
sometimes I look at the ocean stuff. Like the ocean is so far beyond being a cool band. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like all of their all of their albums are about a a period of time in history before humans walked the earth and basically the uh this Nietzschean idea of like the world <coughs> destroying itself and then rebuilding itself time and time again and around it and, and like I mean that is not in well, no sorry it is interesting but it's not cool in the slightest and like the names of the every time I get an ocean record I am a bit like oh my god do we really have to learn how to pronounce this title and all this kind of yeah I, that, that's the thing i i listened to the ocean relatively extensively i couldn't tell you a single song title like pre-cambarian i think is the name of one of their records <laughs> like but this is the thing i i because they kind of wrap it up in this weird geography lesson almost yeah i am a bit like what are you talking about but i but at the same time i don't think that should put you off if 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 you are thinking, God, that sounds so geeky and and rubbish, I don't think it's too. I don't think it's uh, wanky prog. I don't think it is prog. No, I don't at all. I think it's really emotive and quite beautiful. And yes, actually, if you I like agree. vaguely proggy things at all, um, uh, it's proggy more in the same way as like. Uh... Well, like like Mogwai. It's not showy. I never. It's not showy. No, no, no. Think. Absolutely not. Like yeah. maybe Mogwai is a rubbish shout uh, because like they go quiet and they go loud. What I'm saying. Yes. Like they're they're a quite quite loud loud band. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. But it's very good. It is very good. So um, it's really good. There you go. Like really I might good. go and check I'm this. Looking, I'm looking forward to part two. I am. Yeah. I, I rarely forward to... say that about double parter. So that is the ocean. The album is called Phanozoic One. Paleozoic. That is definitely, <laughs> definitely what it's called. You, you, you've nailed it. Well done. <laughs> oh dear, stupid Germans. Learn to speak English properly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop picking long words. How is that? Like they're picking words I don't know in my own language. You know, even like, <laughs> fucking unbelievable. We're such ignorant scum. Uh, anyway, here's Renfrey with Emma Ruth Rundle. You chatted to her. I did. Yeah, here it is. Uh, you join me in the back of a van in a car park in Hackney. It's quite cold, um, but I am sat here with a really doled up looking even more radiant than ever, may I say, uh, Emma Ruth Rundle. How are you doing, Emma? I'm doing just fine. I'm happy to see you. Uh, I, I thought it was an interesting response to the... I had professional makeup put on because of a photo shoot, and yes. I usually don't wear makeup. Um, and I I liked your response to it, which is, are you, you going to take that off for the show? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you still haven't decided? I haven't decided, but... I, I think I, you should keep it on. You're yeah. in the capital of the England. Like, just make us, you know, just, people will think you've made a special effort. It's cool. I think okay. it, it's, it's just, it's, it's un, I, I, I'm not used to seeing you with makeup. So I was just like, oh, wow, you look incredible. But um, yeah, anyway. Um, but we are here not to talk about makeup because, my God, that'll be a short conversation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but we're here to talk about uh, your amazing new record on Dark Horses, which we have gone crazy about on Riot Act already. Um, but really, I wanted to just start by talking about uh, the, the, how you get the balance between, I think you um, discuss very personal, difficult 
issues, but at the same time, there's this mystery, this shroud of mystery that you put them in as well, almost like you need to purge them in some way, but at the same time, you don't want to reveal too much. Does that make sense to you? That's entirely true. I think okay. it, it is. Um, yeah, you want. I I feel the need to divulge some honest honest things about what you know. The songs are all very personal, without being too explicit in a way that would um, give anybody in this kind of circumstance a reason to ask me something a little too personal. Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also there's a there's a a nature to doing things in a way that's poetic and leaves room for other people to interpret things in a way that's meaningful to them Mm. you know but is it a difficult balance to strike have you ever written something where you thought oh god i can't i can't do that night after night because last time we spoke i remember we were talking about the mask for death uh marked for death material which was certainly the most uh uh personal material you'd written at that point and you were finding it difficult to sing relive those songs again night after night after night yeah um so so how do you try and find that balance or do you do you do you not always get it or is it a bit too do you think you go too far with it sometimes i think well like real big sky for instance on the last record was really pushing very far into that realm and it was difficult to perform um and I almost really never played that song until uh more recently and then doing it over and over again the experience that we talked about um in performing marked for death definitely informed how I wrote some of the new album um and that it was important for me what I find is that bearing all and and that the way that it that I did on marked for death having to go back every single night and relive those things was kind of becoming a little detrimental to my mental health yeah um so i wrote some parts and and ideas into some of the lyrical content of this album and also choosing to do it as a full band and being able to like take a guitar solo and find some things that are a little more uplifting to do in the live performance which keeps me healthier um yeah it's not it's not an entirely defeated uh, album. album. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it definitely has more. I, I don't want to say March of Death doesn't have any hope at all, but there's definitely more sense of hope in on Dark Horses. Uh, horses, I feel. Um, so, as I, I guess that is a direct reaction to the Marked on Death material in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's. It's in some ways. I mean, I never. I'm never striving I, I don't want to censor myself in writing ever mm. um i think that would be i think my strength is being honest and just human so i think to censor it too much would be a, would be a failure but i think purposefully putting in a few wordings you know like the idea in the song dark horse that you know in the wake of weak beginnings we can still stand high all this stuff is about overcoming even though it does deal with some of the more downtrodden topics. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think um I definitely think it's still like remarkably personal and obviously um uh, you know something that you explored in Mark for Death a lot was a- addiction and I think some of the songs here are talking about kind of how you 
get get over that how you got over that so I was wondering if something like on races when you're saying every day I'm fading away and every night I come back to life again it's, you know that that kind of that to me feel like felt like touring life for you totally yeah yeah, yeah. and it is also about drinking just straight up I mm. mean races is definitely about being sort of an alcoholic vampire that's moving around the world um feeding mm. off the strange energy and having to be reinvigorated by the drinking and the chaos of it and um sort of being lost in the haze of that do you do you enjoy touring more now with the this set of songs than the mark for death songs or is it does it is it still a struggle sometimes or I think I'm enjoying it more, for one, because I'm lucky enough to have the musicians who recorded the album with me on yeah. this tour. Yeah. So there's a chemistry and a dynamic that's happening that is is just great. Um, and so that's a huge difference. And I had to tour Marked for Death uh, mostly solo mm. up until the mm. last tour. Um, when I first met you, I was solo. Yeah, you were. And then getting the... Um, access and ability to tour with other musicians in the band expands it into something else but um i find that particularly having todd and evan and dylan who recorded the record with me makes things exciting in a way i, I can tell that when they play the songs that they wrote their parts for it's everyone feels an ownership uh, of the music um in a way that's different than when you know they came in and had to play songs that they had nothing to do with uh, recording at all mm. um and it's hard, you know, when you're on a long tour like this, I have plenty of moments where I'm like, um, do people curse on your show? Is it censored? You can curse okay. yeah, all you want. <laughs> where I'm like, I am never fucking touring with anyone again. I did a solo tour this summer and I, it was just so easy, you know, but there's something a lot more emotionally taxing about that performance of playing with the band is more fun, I would say. Yeah. Do you think having the band there affected the, the writing of this? I mean, surely it must have affected the writing of the songs in, in some sense. For sure. I, I write all of my music on an acoustic guitar by myself. Right. And then sort of halfway through the writing of the record, I was very conflicted about whether I was going to do a completely solo stripped down record or I was going to do a kind of full band rock record, mm, which I wanted latter, to do. Yeah, it, and that's, that's what I ended up deciding. So that that definitely affects the writing process. Like a example of that would be like the bridge of Dark Horse, which if you st you'll stay and see it. It's not something that could really be carried on by itself just with one guitarist. Mm -hmm. um, so it's knowing that you're going to have the drums, the bass, and, and the second guitar to come in and create dynamic shifts and changes and push a song along in a different way um so having that in the back of my mind while finishing writing the album definitely made a huge difference on in the approach whereas if i was had chosen to do it just solo i mean it would be a very different record i mm. think these songs can exist in a stripped back uh fashion but i definitely wrote finished them all in the writing process knowing that it was going to be a four-piece band mm -hmm. there's a very strong e question theme which i think is a very obvious thing to pick right, up right, on right. um it's in the title it's uh, uh there's races there's dark horse um but um 
it's obviously something that was on your mind, but um, whether consciously or subconsciously. But I'm just wondering how. I mean, what what are like? How do horse? How do you relate to horses, and why do you think that they became such a big theme on this record? Well, okay, so it started. I mean, writing the song "Dark Horse" really was the center of the album for me. That became like the the keystone mm-hmm. song, and mm-hmm. I wrote it early on. Um, and of course, a dark horse is a metaphor for anybody that's able to get past the chances there or their odds you know beating the odds uh so that metaphorical phrase just became more and more literal um there's this whole story of the horse the that's on the cover of the album mm-hmm. was something that was in the studio that we recorded in that okay. was tucked in a like in this junk pile and i saw it and it all its legs were broken off and it had these someone had clamped these um i guess clamps onto the where the the broken legs were so that it could still stand and it was like the personification of the lyrics to the song and i was like this is wild kevin look at this and he's like oh my god you should have that and i was like okay i'm gonna take it and so then i started you know taking pictures of it and it became the album artwork and and then the horse thing just kept going and i started focusing on horses and painting horses i didn't set out to like make an album about, about horses, horses yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything I mean, like that it's clear that it's metaphor yeah in, in almost every way but yeah. it kind of just took on its own life <laughs> mm, mm. yeah and i suppose once you grab onto something like that it's good to run with it to have some sort of some sort of theme you know even though we're not talking literally yeah you know about mucking out stables or anything like that no no i think (laughs) i think it's about you know the dark horse is the the outlier or the person that's you know maybe coming from a challenged past and and again this idea of overcoming Mm. um yeah it's about I don't know if this is the right word to use, so please feel please feel free to correct me if you think this is wrong, but is it sort of redemption in a sense? Is that kind of what it's a met- metaphor for? In, in, moving on from dark things and moving on from... I think that it's like more about persistence and okay. not necessarily about redemption because I okay. don't feel that there's been... There's no full resolution in any of it. It's just... Um, endurance and and perseverance Mm, okay okay are you finding this material uh easier to play on the road as a result i think so absolutely yeah like i said those little lyrical things and then again having the band it's really fun for me to get to play little parts on the guitar that i wouldn't be able to do in a solo performance like yeah. getting to, to yeah. play a lead solo yeah. um in a couple of moments during the set is very fun and uh i feel a lot of like real cathartic energy of music that has nothing to do with any subject matter it's just like the gods of guitar like come <laughs> shine through you for a second and you just get to feel like obliterated you know yeah um and that i love that so much and i really missed having that in marriage you know since marriages hasn't been playing mm. so making moments like that happen on the album and live makes a big difference in i think some of the morale you mm. know it mm-hmm. gives the energy back a little versus the just somewhat draining aspect of say a solo performance well it means you can have your sort of 
rock rock moment. Rock, rock moment. Yeah, a rock yeah. star moment. <laughs> I mean, I'm not suggesting that it's like kiss or anything like that because no, it really no, isn't. No, no, not um, at all. But, <laughs> but, but although it, in this makeup, I just touch my eyebrow and it's like hard as a rock. <laughs> it's very weird. It, it, it looks very, it looks very good. It looks very, very good, even if it probably feels really uncomfortable and strange. Um, there's a lot of. I know that a lot of the material you write uh, takes a long time and and it's quite, I suppose, uh, laboured. I guess, but mm-hmm. there does always seem to be. I know there was real big sky was the song that sort of. I think you described it last time as like it just bled yeah. out of you. Yeah. And uh, I get the sense that that was the same for um, You Don't Need to Cry. You don't have this. to cry, yeah. You don't have to cry, sorry. Uh, on this record as well. Um, now, without going into too many details about what it's about and all that sort of thing, I was just wondering how that song came to be. Um, I'm trying to remember. I was in such an intense writing moment in the winter, uh, the early part of this year. Uh-huh. Um and I was really struggling with the song Apathy on the Indiana Border. That yeah. song's like my, my enemy. It's my nemesis. Oh, I right. spent so long writing that song. It it never feels... I'm going to play it tonight. It never feels natural. It's always like... It's just like, fuck you, man. But that's kind of part of what the whole message of the song is. It's just this kind of intense apathy that just stick was just sticking with me and then I was very concerned I started to fear that I was like unable to write anymore and I all the other songs were coming along and had been finished and that song was really driving me crazy and when I'm writing I yeah it's like I wake up in the morning and I'll have a cup of tea and start writing before I do anything at all um and weeks and weeks of that and somehow you don't have to cry just came out i went into the living room played the classical guitar which is the other guitar i write on is a nylon string guitar Mm -hmm. um and i think i had been thinking about um the song lay lady lay Mm -hmm. which i really love the changes in that song uh the bob dylan song Mm -hmm. i'm not a huge bob dylan fan i don't I don't want to get into that fight, but there's something about the the changes in that song that I I really love, uh, and it just kind of came out. It's it. I had the idea for wanting to make a song for my friend Blake Armstrong, who's a painter and a makeup artist and just an incredible human, who's one of my best friends. Um, again, I don't know. It's like it's hard because some it's so some of the stuff's so personal and I never mm-hmm. want to like especially when it's not about me sure, I don't want to sure, say sure. too much because nope. it's that person is entitled to you know of course. their anonymity that yep. I don't want to encroach on that but um yeah it's kind of a unique thing to have that sort of writing moment for something that's not entirely personal f- and selfish in my own history necessarily does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and have you played the song to you Blake, have you played the song? Oh to, yeah, we play it every night. And uh, to 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 Blake, I mean. Oh oh yeah, he lost his shit. <laughs> <laughs> that that was just the reaction. Just lost his shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I really hope that we're gonna collaborate on some other elements of things that we're gonna do with that song together. Um, cool. Yeah. And the plan at the beginning of this year, as far as I'm aware, was to release this record and then to do some um, acoustic 
tracks for an EP or something as well? Is that still the idea of what you want to do? Or I, I would like to do a totally stripped down record for the next thing. I, I would like to do that. I don't know what will happen, but um, there's some other collaborations in in the making that are kind of bubbling under the surface that will hopefully happen with some different artists. But uh, for my next solo thing, I'd like to do a stripped down record um, for a lot of reasons. I think that I'm missing the introspective space of solitude. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot to travel with this many people. I mean, we're in a, we're a crew of eight people and we're all in a small van together. We're not on a tour bus um, for months at a time, you know, staying in hotels. We're together all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very grateful and I love that that experience, but I do miss sort of you can't really get you have to have a callousness to yourself to be able to eat shit sleep everything with that many people all uh-huh. the time uh-huh. um yeah uh so that that's what I would like to do next but we'll see what happens there's you- a lot of touring coming up next year that hasn't been announced okay. so that also kind of prevents me from doing too much writing. Mm-hmm. Okay, but your your career is quite nice in the sense that you can, if you want a you know let's let's call it a solitude tour. If you want a tour on your own, you can. I and hope you, so. I don't know. If, <laughs> yeah, but and if you want a tour with a band, you now have the chances to do that after the success of the last record and things like that. I think you now have that opportunity to do that, or it seems like that's what's happening. I hope so. I hope people won't reject it and or you know you can you can only just do what's right for you and mm. i'm very grateful to have some really sweet feeling fans that are um not sweet feeling not like i touched them and they <laughs> felt sweet but i mean like emotive caring and dedicated people that come to the shows yeah yeah i remember uh last time we spoke you saying that um once marked for death was um complete um initially you hated it and it was really difficult um it was was not it was very weird yeah it was it was weird I, i mean i played it for the label and like no one said anything kathy like walked out of the room (laughs) your manager kathy yeah Yeah. and um the artwork was just like a a endless battle Uh it was just Uh it was yeah. So was there a difference when you finished on Dark Horses? Was was the, was it a different feeling uh, when you played that back to the label or played it back to yourself or was it the same? Or I think it's just, um, I feel good about it. I mean, I don't feel, I don't know. I mean, there's the relationship I've had with some of the songs from the last album are just longer and more intense. I mean, I only mm. know this record for less than a year myself. The mm. other album, it took like two years for it to come out and for me to tour on it. And so the relationship I have with it is like much more defined. And this one, I, I think once it was first finished, it it felt good. There was an excitement to working with Kevin Ratterman as the producer that he's such an enthusiastic, interesting musician and engineer and producer. Um, he has really high energy and is very uh, motivating to work with him. And he added a lot of color and excitement that, you know, I felt 
I felt good about it when we first listened to it. It's like, how cool is it to hear all these, all the stuff that we worked on and this live tracking that we did? It just was different. It was a little mm. bit less like looking directly into a mirror and more like looking into a creation that more people had in, had been involved in. It, it's a, it's a lot less naked in, in mm. that way, and so it's easier to confront. I think. Mm. Well, I think it's a wonderful follow-up to mark for death and i still think it's uh remarkably personal but still in that interband you know but even broader with with the band being involved as well i think it's fantastic so um and i'm sure it's going to feature in our album of the year mm. podcast that is coming up soon spoiler alert uh <laughs> so um thank uh you have to get on and play a show in a minute yeah. so thank you very much for your time Emma. It's thanks really Rampy. To it's see nice you. to see you again and uh i will speak with you again soon okay cheers Bye. thanks well there you go Rampy. that was very interesting Thank you very much. You and Emma Ruth Rundle having a lovely little sit down in a natter. And she's yeah. good, isn't she? Yeah, she's fucking brilliant. Yeah, she's good. I mean, we reviewed the album before. We've spoken about it quite a lot in this podcast. I feel like we've gone in pretty heavy on Emma Ruth Rundle. So it's oh, good to get her on the yeah. show. She's fucking excellent. Uh, yeah, so she's why great. Wouldn't you? Yeah, really, really good. All right. Well, that's it. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, it's been emotional, hasn't it? Very emotional. It's been a roller coaster. It has I been think. a roller coaster. Go over to net, of course, and um, get yourself some courses. 25% off those courses for guitarists for... Get yourself some courses. Fuck that's off. Weird. That's weird wording, get, your, get your courses. Get your courses. <laughs> Come on, get to the courses. Courses so here. Two, courses. For, two for ten. Who wants the courses? Come on, darling. <laughs> I've got some courses for you here, darling. You want to be a guitarist? <laughs> producer. Come and get your two for one producer. Um... Yeah, so that's what they do. Um, and uh, 25% off uh, when you put in the code RIOT at the checkout. It's usually 9 99 so that works out about £7.50. Yes. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, so there you go. Right, we'll be and back next... £7.49. Yeah, we'll be back next week, sponsored by T. Hopefully. Hopefully, by that point, That'd be sponsored nice. by T. have got lots of money, I believe. I don't, do you know what? I didn't say this earlier. I Fuck it, I'm not fussy. I'd even be sponsored by hot chocolate. Whoa. Ooh, Give mate, a fuck. I'd take Horlicks at this stage. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'd take cup of soup. <laughs> which I would never drink. And I go, which one's my cup of soup, which is disgusting. I tried to live off cup of soups for a week when I was at um uh when I was at drama school and uh pff, don't do that. No. It was fucking horrible. Yeah. It was an experiment, uh and I was just trying to save money. No. You're here though, aren't you? Just about. You made it. Just about. I also tried to lift up beans for a week. That was a fucking awful idea as well. Yeah. That's Ooh. fucking awful ideas. Yeah. <laughs> as a student, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's... Prolapse. Oh. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be reviewing albums from Azuzu, uh, featuring Liam Wilson from The Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah. Uh, you should be pretty excited about that, by the yes, way. Um, and the album from 22. And maybe, possibly, we don't know if we can get it, the new album after seeing the old Billy Corgan face spectacular Smashing Pumpkins. Well, we were album. so nice to Billy. I'd be very surprised if he didn't personally deliver it to us in a, in a hand card. In it, yeah, shaped like his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again... I saw a baby that looked like Billy Corgan the other day. <laughs> you were not just... A baby that yes. Billy Corgan had put a mask of his own face. <laughs> like, just Billy baby. Corgan just walking around, putting his own face on everything. <laughs> anyway, well, if we thought we might get the Smashing Pumpkins album next week, we're so, definitely not going to so be getting it. So get scrap it. that. But we might get, let's not say anything horrible about these. We might get the new album from Mumford and Sons. 
might yeah we can try but yeah so <laughs> there you go we might have Mumford and Sons we might have Smashing Pumpkins we will have 22 and we will have Azuzu and really you want to get excited about Azuzu yes definitely it's fucking great yes, it's oh, what a spoiler that is I spoiled it already you spoiled it oh. like just don't tell people what your album of the year is <coughs> for fuck's sake ah, I've, I've, I've fucked up there haven't I <laughs> oh. Oh. anyway see you next week chaps it's been uh, it's been emotional Go on, fucking say goodbye, you idiot. Bye. Thank you.